Mike Schneider Podcast. Welcome to episode number Stefan. <laughs> uh, yeah, so today we are joined by Stefan Lundberg from Devise Fingerboards. He's a fingerboarder since about 2002, so about as long as me, and he's had his company since 2012. You also might know him from his fingerboard events at Skater's Edge in Rhode Island. Is it in Rhode Island or Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Near Rhode Island in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, and the internet and California and all kinds of stuff like that. So we're going to dive in and learn more. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Super stoked. So let's start at the very beginning. Tell us about your birth. What's your zodiac? Uh, I'm a Capricorn. I was born in January. I'm 29 years old. Um, uh, yeah, but I found my first fingerboard in about 2001 or two, maybe. But that's too early. What, yeah. what about when you were born? Where were you born? Um, I was born in Stoughton, Massachusetts. Actually, I grew up in Easton for the first like five years of my life. I don't really remember too much of that. But then I lived in Taunton for a while after that, and then moved to Lakeville later on. Cool. But See, I, I didn't even know that, actually. Yeah, so I kind of lived all, all over Massachusetts for my first 18 years. Sweet. All right, so yeah, take us through the journey of, like, just a quick, what was it like growing up, and then at what point did you find skateboarding or fingerboarding, and how did that kind of tie into the rest of your childhood? Mm -mm. Um, growing up kind of just like normal interests I feel like too like I liked baseball a little bit too I'd like just kind of being active swimming and wow that is like normal that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but other than that um I found a skateboard when I was about five years old and wow so that's I, young I found it very early on it was like going into first grade um I got like my first skateboard it was like a Star Wars board um but that, yeah it was just something about it it was just really exciting to me um, the interest level I found from that was because of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. I was just at the mall one day buying video games with my dad, just trying to find something new for like the PlayStation or like PS1 pretty much. Um, but we found Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and I just thought it was really awesome and cool. And then I wanted a board and I just got one just started like riding around on my butt around the neighborhood. And <laughs> eventually my dad was like, you gotta learn how to like stand up on that and like ride, etc." And yeah, I just enjoyed it a lot. I did it by myself for a long time. I didn't have friends that did it until like almost like five years later or so. So it was just kind of like a natural thing where I really enjoyed it. I wanted to do more of it. And then kind of shortly after I started finding like tech decks, I don't really know when it happened, but I remember looking through an old like home movie where I was like playing with a tech deck and I saw on the time frame it said like 2002. And cool. I was like, oh wow. I'm like, okay, so that's when I had one. Like makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's awesome. So... Yeah, like a lot of people, you saw Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and then got stoked on it and yeah. then picked up a real board. And so you were in Massachusetts, and I guess you were just kind of like playing around with it basically for like the first, let's say, five years, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. And then, so you got a tech deck, and then where did it go from there? Um, I kind of didn't really do much more with fingerboarding until like, closer to high school when I discovered wooden boards so in between then I feel like I was just enjoying skateboarding a lot like I found Skater's Edge at local indoor skate park in 2003 um, so from there that's when I started like meeting friends where 
the first people I actually met there that were, were my friends I found out used to live in my neighborhood and like they just moved out like a month before I moved in so that kind of sucked but well they still had a great friendship with them and they showed me street skating and everything too so then that kind of changed my life too I got to learn park skating what it's like to skate with friends who push you to like try new things and explore new ideas in skateboarding too and then introducing me to street skateboarding and then filming for that and then that's just something I've just continuously held on to for the rest of my life the skating filming hanging out with friends having fun yeah that's awesome it's definitely a really special thing when you have people you can skate with that like push you and you push them and like Mm -hmm. you kind of get more of your potential out that way compared to doing it yourself you kind of stay in your comfort zone or you might be like a little creative but when you're with people and they kind of see you almost land something and you felt like you didn't really and you were going to go off and try something else and they're like no you almost got that like go land that and then you land it and yeah like i love that kind of dynamic with like skating or fingerboarding with people totally and i feel like that's just and helps increase like the, the longevity of everything like your love for it and then just like your friendships you have with all those people that you continuously meet like it's just a really great thing all around yeah definitely the whole social and community aspect is like super like it keeps it going keeps it progressing and everything mm-hmm. staying interesting cool so you're skating at the park and starting to skate street and stuff and then uh you mentioned finding wood boards around that time too fingerboards yeah um it was actually that park again skaters edge and taunton where uh one of my friends from there he brought a g12 one day it was like a like a two-tone not like or like two-tone like color it was like the dark blue and light blue like kind of fade together oh cool but he had that it was probably about like 28 millimeters but it had rip tape on it too so then I was I just tried like the tech tech like wooden boards and kind of noticed they performed a little bit differently and then I saw like your board and with the rip tape on it combines like how you could like control your flicks more with it too like I was like instantly hooked I was like I need these like <laughs> immediately <laughs> just because I love playing with tech tech so much and like it, the fact that you could actually control everything a lot easier just like I don't know it was just mind-blowing to me so yeah it just made me like like immediately like from Christmas from there on I'm like I only just want a wooden fingerboard for Christmas like that's it like (laughs) like I need to find a way to get this cool so then yeah what happened after that you got one and then you got super into it and yeah I bought a couple of cheap ones off eBay and then eventually I convinced my mom like I'm like I really want to get um like one of these like flat face boards just like I don't know they're like it's a lot of money for like just for this for like a tech tech thing and then Eventually, I made the points where I'm like, but, like, these are, like, handcrafted. Like, they're making these, like, by hand out of wood. And she's like, oh, really? She's like, okay, like, you can buy one. Like, like, okay. So then I got one of those and just kind of noticed the performance level is just, like, just way better than the ones I found before. So I like those a lot. Um, Then there was one day, too, where kind of digging more into the community, like, finding friends on YouTube and stuff. um, I did a trade with somebody, and he traded me. um, I forget what the trade was for. Maybe it was, like, a Yellowwood or something, but... Uh, he gave me an extra of five sheets of veneer to make a board. Oh, so that cool. like was what sparked everything, I feel like, too. So I was like, okay, like I want to try making a board. I got some wood glue. I took like two tech decks, like the usual way to kind of like make something, take two tech decks, heat them up, fix the shape to it, um, get some clamps, put it together. And I literally like cut it all out like with scissors. It was like pretty like thin, but like it still was good. Like I actually have it here, too. Oh, sweet. Um, your first board ever. Yeah, I kept it. I Let's probably used it. like maybe some grip tape or something to sand it after, but yeah. 
this is literally just molded from a couple tech ducks. Nice. Got that mahogany wood. Is it mahogany? I was always curious, like, what that wood yeah. was. I just know I just got, like, a bunch of, like, exotics. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. The sides are, like, a little crunchy in there. Oh, yeah. But what stood out the most to bad. me is, like, how I could take a few pieces of wood, glue it together, and when it hardened, like, the stability that came from it, like, it actually, like, popped. Like, it was more responsive than a tech deck. And, like, yeah, it's crazy. It was literally just, like, pieces of thin wood that you could have just, like, snapped. But the glue <laughs> held it all together. Yeah, I always thought that was mind-blowing. I still do. Like, yeah. the fact that you can just glue plies together, bend it, hold it there a few hours, and then it becomes a strong piece of bent wood yeah. and keeps it for decades now. Totally, yeah. That's insane. It is really crazy. Like, it barely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to think about. Yeah. So, cool. So, basically, you started making boards. You met fingerboarders on YouTube and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And... You're shredding on a skateboard at the same time yeah. and probably starting to get pretty good at fingerboarding. I mostly were getting, or going backwards for a second too. Before, um, well, like finding those boards and everything too, well, I found videos on YouTube of uh, John Cowart and your videos too. But those videos like inspired me a lot too, where I saw like John's videos first of like the basement dontages and things. Oh, those are basement. so good. But just like seeing them like do realistic tricks, like having fun with each other, like we were talking about earlier, and like putting like funny songs to it, like they did like itsy bitsy teeny weeny polka dot bikini and stuff like that. Like that was just like very like inspiring to me as like weird as it sounds, but it was like wow, like these guys are just having so much fun. Like I want to find a way to do this like with my friends and like film like creative fingerboard tricks like on film and everything because we're already filming skateboarding together. So I'm like, why don't we just film like fingerboarding too? Like <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. So then you started making videos too? Yeah. Sick. Are your old ones still up? Um, yeah, most, almost all of them I feel like. I probably deleted like some stuff over the years like everybody else does when they get self-conscious of their old clips <laughs> and how sketchy everything looks and whatnot too. But I was digging through recently and I was looking at a lot of my old stuff and yeah, the stuff that goes back like up to like 13 years. Wow, cool. Yeah. All right, we'll put a link to that in the <laughs> description. You guys can check them out. I'm definitely going to check them out after this. Yeah. We'll watch them together. Cool. What were you filming on back then? Um, I think I heard, by the time I was doing like professional like wooden fingerboard stuff, um, I had a VX at the time, which my first one was a VX 2000. Nice. So it was pretty cool too, cause like it's almost like how like we're all filming like tapeless now in the VX. Like I was doing that, but um, I was just connecting it through FireWire to like my iMovie on my Mac Mini. So nice. I was just filming on there, so I wouldn't have to waste tape, and I could try stuff as long as it would take me enough to like burn all my mini dv tapes and yeah so i can save those for skating outside <coughs> cool so like the live capture thing yeah yeah that's sweet so your first videos are probably pretty good quality already probably yeah yeah <laughs> like my first videos are like my first camera was called a digital blue and it was like a vertical like rounded stick with like a lens on the front it was so goofy and you hold it like this and it's like a handle and then the lens and oh. like like my old videos are like super low quality with that thing but that I had something similar to that at one point i would mess around with oh cool i did film a really old like tech deck video like before like real fingerboarding stuff i think maybe that was like 2006 but i used like a like a kodak digital camera like video setting and then just like <laughs> just kind of filmed a bunch of stuff in my kitchen and outside and whatnot and just put it together in windows movie maker <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> good old windows movie maker yeah. i had that one too but before that, I had Digital Blue Video Editor. <laughs> oh, man, 
I don't think I've ever experimented with that one. Yeah, it came with the, like, camera on a stick thing. <laughs> now I'm getting, like, throwback to, like, thinking about Windows Movie Maker, like, .wmv files. Yes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Those were the days. Yeah. So when did you get, like, on FFI or any fingerboard communities online? FFI, I think that was probably 2011-ish. I know, like, FFI was starting to kind of, like, die out, but, like, I got in right before that time frame. There was, like, a time point, like, when I was first observing on FFI, it was, like, hard to get in. You had to get um, somebody to approve you to get in. And I'm embarrassed to say I honestly forget who helped me get into FFI, <laughs> but I remember either getting in through there or maybe I got in, like, right when there was, uh, like, open registration they did for a little bit, too. Um but yeah, I remember like a lot of people were like, kind of scared when the open registration came in. It's like, oh, these like random people come in and this and that. Like, well, some people were good like me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a positive influencer of the scene still. So there was good things that came from that too. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been more good than bad like on the forums. It, it was, if you let in, let's say, 100 people, maybe like two of them get banned or something. Like, it's overall everybody's yeah. cool. It's well, like once in a while you have like annoying people or something. Yeah, they'll shun themselves out by being too annoying or scamming yeah. someone for a trade or something or something like that. Yeah, I remember yeah. there was like a buy, sell, and trade area and like you had to have like good reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's cool. What do kids do now? Just get scammed on IG or something? Pretty much. Dang. <laughs> I feel like that, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the forums were good. Yeah, but there was a lot of good information in there too. I learned a lot about deck making in that um, process too because there wasn't too many like YouTube tutorials on people doing deck making and stuff like that so that's where I learned a lot about like thicknesses of woods and like what glues to use and a lot of people kind of kept secrets so like it was kind of good to like learn about a wide variety of things try all of them see what I liked best and kind of continue that way yeah take us through your deck making journey because now Devise is like a known company it's pretty big people uh, order from all over the world and it's crazy to think <laughs> but um so it started, or well, I started deck making in 2011. I like officially made the brand name Devise in 2012, and it was just very, very small to begin with. I never expected it to kind of be what it is today, but essentially I was just trying to like find a way to make professional quality fingerboards like for myself and my friends, because boards can be like pretty expensive, especially when you're younger too. So I thought it was a good way for me to express my creativity, make myself boards that like I thought of and just could just make it in the moment and yeah. it would be good quality then i could also share them with my friends too so they don't have to like break the bank trying to get into that i can be like here like try this try this like and i can like create like my own like community of friends like nearby that fingerboard yeah that's awesome yeah so i heard it took you over a year reading the thesaurus to get the name <laughs> device yeah i'm a very big like overthinker on things i guess you could say it's like one of my weaknesses too um but yeah, it must have been like close to a year, but like I wanted to do the name Create Fingerboards, but I know there was like something called like Creation Skateboards at the time, I think, or I don't know, just Sounds seemed kind of vague. Yeah. Something like that. But I felt like if this ever turned <coughs> into anything, maybe I would want it to be something different. So I literally was just like trying to come up with a different name, and I'm like, what if I took the name Create, like put it in a thesaurus, and then see what came from it. I had a bunch of these ideas, and I'm like, oh, devise. And then definition is like to create from the existing. I'm like, this one could work. Like, um, because with my company, devise, I liked it to be like to create from the existing. So, like, what I was inspired by at the time, some of my favorite boards are like either like G12s, G13s, and Berlin Woods. 
Um, I liked them both a lot too, so I wanted something that had kind of like a little bit of a concave, maybe like a little bit more than like a G12, and then higher kicks than like a Berlin wood too, so kind of just like taking my favorite things and putting it together, so like creating something from the existing that I like that I could add and share to the market to, to show what I like as a, a fingerboarder. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the best way to do it. Like mm -hmm. all the best companies that last, it's because they made something, they wanted to make the best thing like for them. Like that's how I do it. I'm like, I want to make the board that performs the best for me. And like, you know, somebody else will probably like it too, if that's yeah. the case. And then, so it's the same thing. Like you saw like, okay, I like this about this and this about this. And here's what I want to change about both and put it together. And mm -hmm. you created a board that like works really good and has lasted the test of time, you could say. Totally. And you use them, you know, if you're, you're the person making the boards and you're also the one riding them means that like they're good you know yeah. you're not just making oh, totally. boards for someone else you're making boards to use for you and for your friends and stuff mm -hmm. like making it as good as it can be and everything totally yeah. i have some of the the first decks i made too we just went over the like very first one i made out of there yeah what else you got um let's see little timeline here after i made this one there was this one was like concrete molds I bought off eBay. Concrete? So like I went on eBay, yeah. It had like, it was it looked like a real skateboard mold, like rectangular, made out of concrete. It had like a wood top glued on top of it and base so it wouldn't crack the concrete in the molds. <laughs> Did it crack eventually? Um, I don't think so. Oh, cool. I think I wound up selling it back on eBay, but oh, I really yeah, wish that's, I had it to see it. That's cool. That's like super handmade, like yeah. roundy shape. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we could like <laughs> post a picture of all of them on Instagram after or something. Yeah. Little we can overlay it on the video too. Yeah, that's sick. Looks pretty good. Yeah, the craftsmanship too. It's like, yeah, actually, looks it's good very for that lacquered time. for that time period. Yeah. Then I cool. made a bondo mold after in here. Um, so that one was kind of based off that concrete mold. And yeah, then, it's similar. Yeah, but, but a little bit better. But yeah, but this time I made it out of uh, bondo myself. But the mold wasn't as wide as the concrete one. So like I was having like a lot of like. I don't know. It was like slightly like warped at times, and that kind of annoyed me. So then I was like, I really should find a way to like get a metal mold. So then I wound up eventually ordering one of the NFB molds um, from Jim at NFB, and um, yeah, just because I was I was tired of like inconsistencies. Like I'm perfectionist. I want to make sure they're good for there. So then I wound up getting one of those. I'm pretty sure that one should be it too. It's just the standard like classic shape. Cool. Which I still have to this day, too. I still have that same mold that I bought in, like, late 2011. Wow, sick. So did you customize the dimensions on that a little bit? And yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Like, molds back then, too, they only went up to 32 millimeters in width because that was, like, the widest at that point. Like, they weren't even doing 33s yet. Crazy. Until, like, Berlin Wood finally released, like, their 33 flat shape. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one was when I made the regular mold. So I liked the classic mold that I made, but this is, like, Oh the yeah, one, the one I use to this day. And this is the one I like the best. Yeah, <laughs> like modern. Because like, I, I really like my modern. classic mold, but I'm like, it's I don't love it though. So then I'm like, what can I do more to it? So like, I adjusted the kicks a little bit, and I think I add like a little bit of concave to the nose and the tail too from the previous one. Yeah. And then after I tested that one, and it was just like so much more springy and responsive, and I'm like, oh my god, like this is the shape right here. Like this is device. Yep. So Definitely, that, that they're really out, good. Like in 2013, maybe. Um, yeah, this is, this is like part of the first graphic line that uh, we released on your site, the Sick. pink one up top. But then I started making uh, crayon cruisers a couple of years later too. I just had an idea that I wanted to do a cruiser and then I'm like, oh, this would be funny if it was like a crayon shaped. And yeah. like, I could even just 
put a graphic on it too, like that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and then we jump into modern day device where these are mostly all the regular molds and then I think one might be my new revised mold, which is pretty similar to the regular. The revised mold is pretty Sick. much just a slightly longer wheelbase. The tail's like one degree lower. Um, a little bit more concave, oh. but the dips aren't as defined. Looks so good. Oh, yeah. yeah, your boards have a very distinct style and they're really good. I have a few of them set up. I just set up one of these. Oh yeah, the, the Alex, Alex Rogan Pro model? Yeah, so sick. Yeah, quick shout out to my team. Uh, Alex Mistulakis, Alex Hancock, Alex Rogan, and we have John from Dank Mode um, in Colorado. Oh, and we can't forget Alex Garcia as well too. And why do you sponsor everyone named Alex? It's it's four Alexes now. Four wow. Alexes and yeah. like what two other people? Three. Yeah. Oh no, just one other. It's like me, Alexes, and John. <laughs> so but when are you changing your name to Alex? I almost thought about it at one point, but I'm like I'm just stuck in it now. I have That's this, crazy. I have this graphic I haven't released yet too, but um, I have it already printed. I just haven't made samples of it yet, but it literally just says Alex across it. And I'm like, it's like the Alex Pro model. Like, Dude, that's great. It's like, you need, here's your new Pro model. Yeah, for everyone. <laughs> Who's it for? It's for Alex. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that's so cool. Dang. And then I used to have, um, uh, rest in peace to Alan Agudelo, um, but I, he used to ride for me too, but he passed away a little under two years ago. Yeah, that was sad. But he also started with an A, too. It's like I had a, that one point, it was just <laughs> all people with the letter A. Wow. But now we're getting some more diversity by adding John into the team. <laughs> Different letters. Yeah, what made you decide to sponsor someone who wasn't named Alex? That's a big risk at this point. Um, well, Alan was the first one for that, but it was just his style. Like, he just seemed like kind of very underrated, like very um, positive person, just great energy, just very tech too. And um, he was riding for Homewood at the time and they were, weren't really doing too much with him too. And I was just being his friend and um, he was interested in trying my boards. And then our friendship just kind of just started overpowering the friendship that he had with Homewood. So he just jumped over to my team. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. What do you think about when you're sponsoring someone in general? Like, it's more so of like a, like a friendship because like I don't want to have too many people on the team that like I forget about people or like or whatnot too or I don't know because I am just a small company too but it's very kind of like family based in a sense too like I want to have like a close relationship with all my team and making sure that like if someone needs a board I'm able to get it to them like pretty quickly and I don't have to kind of like lag or anything or whatnot too I just don't want to have like 30 people on my team and me being this small like part-time-ish company being like I can't keep up with my demand and then it might yeah. just collapse yeah that's very good thinking for sure and it's super good to have like people who you get along with and stuff like friends on your team rather than just like random people like even though the flat face team is huge it's very similar like there's like two people on that I haven't met or maybe three now mm -hmm. but almost everybody I've met in person and I know them and like most of them I've known for super long and it's yeah, it's just like they're going to represent your brand, so you better like enjoy most of the things that they do and say. Totally. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty it's big cool. commitment. And then obviously the larger your company is, the more people you can afford to have on because you're like moving more inventory, you have more products to advertise, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it gets to be a lot having a big team, so you're smart for keeping it small. <laughs> yeah, but if <laughs> it keeps crazy. growing, I'm just going to have to keep adding more people, so yeah. we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. So uh, let's change it up a little bit. You mentioned earlier 
one of your biggest weaknesses is overthinking. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? It, it could be because I have ADHD too. So my mind's always like racing, like my foot's like always like shaking and stuff. I'm always thinking about the next idea and it can kind of cause a lot of anxiety at times too. Which So you're hyped. You're yeah. too hyped. Yeah. <laughs> always too hyped on life. That's a good problem to have. Well, it, it can be. It but can sometimes be. when you overthink, you keep thinking about the negatives too much and then it starts yeah. to get into your head. But then you got to remember like, I'm thinking too far ahead. I just need to take a step backwards and remember to control your controllables. And there's some situations and things that can't be controlled and you got to remember like just let them be yeah yeah definitely do you find that it's getting easier as you get older like to handle that to not overthink so much or is it kind of just the same to an extent but it's also harder too because like the older you get the more responsibilities you put yourself into and it's like the more pressure you get put under i would say but yeah yeah that's just a part of growing up i feel like anyone is going to face those challenges as you get older too yeah, totally. It's like as you get new responsibilities and new things to worry about or handle or whatever, it's like you kind of have to like integrate them. Like first it's like a challenge and then it becomes like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought I can do this. And then it's like mm-hmm. once you kind of get in the rhythm of things, it's like, all right, now I don't have to overthink that thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. I feel like whenever things are new, at least for me, it's like at first it like feels like a lot and then it's like not that bad. Totally. Now we all know your biggest weakness. What's your biggest strength? Um, that I care too much, or I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's just a very generic answer. Um, I'd say that I'm just very creative and positive. I always try to make sure people are happy. Like uh, for my job, I work at Vans. I'm an assistant store manager. So I'm always trying to make sure that like my team like feels like comfortable in the environment they're in and that they're feeling their best. So they're able to like speak to our products like comfortably um, just to be able to like make good sales, but also to make sure that like everything's like going natural, like they're, they're feeling okay and the customer feels okay, et cetera. But yeah, I always just like to try to make sure that people are feeling okay. And um, I always also feel like I'm a pretty like creative person as well too, like from like creating this brand as well too, just kind of come up with ideas, but um, yeah, just making finger boards is just a great way to express my creativity and just, um, and it's a good way to like kill time as well too. Like when you're not working and not skating or if you're too sore from skating or if it's snowing outside, like when I was growing up out here, fingerboarding is great for that. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Like everything you just said is awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot we could go into. Uh, creativity is a given like every time you're here we're always like you said designing new stickers and who knows like thinking of random ideas and just doing them immediately yeah the next board graphics to come out the next collabs or (laughs) yeah (laughs) your work ethic is really amazing too like I think that's an example that I want the listeners to pay attention to uh, for real because like I don't know a lot of people go to their job and they don't have that mindset they have a mindset where it's just like all right I get to do the bare minimum and get out of here and do what I want to do or like Mm -hmm. and I feel like you find the joy in it in making it good and doing making everybody's experience around you as good as it can be and like people doing that just makes everybody happier like somebody who goes into your store and deals with you when you have that mindset they're gonna walk out like with a smile on their face you know it's like they just had a good time or an okay time at the very worst like oh they didn't have the shoes i wanted but they were so nice in there i'll come back next week and it's like versus if you hated your job they'd be like oh they didn't have what i want and they were so mean about it they told me to go screw off you know like i don't know it's it's really important that like 
people have that kind of attitude that you do. So I think it's a really good example, mm -hmm. honestly. Because otherwise they're going to be like, oh, I had a bad time there. I'm going to the chum bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and a perfect transition to SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. Dude, like... Every single time that we're talking, or even if we're not talking, just a random message, like, Spongebob always comes up. You're always quoting Spongebob. I'm quoting <laughs> it a lot, too. Um, what's your favorite? Do you have an all-time favorite episode? Yes. I was going to ask you that, too, if it came up, too. But, um, obviously, the first three seasons are the best ones. Yep. They're just hands down the funniest for many this reasons. Is, yeah, this is really important for yes. everybody listening, especially... If you're a little bit younger, go back to the older seasons. That's where the good stuff's in. It is. The writers were different during that time as well, too. The sense of humor was a little bit different and stronger in all the best ways possible, I feel like. I feel like after yeah. that, they were kind of just keeping up with their demand of creating this very popular show they had to keep running with. Right. But definitely the first three episodes, I mean, first three seasons, <laughs> I would highly recommend. Um, I think it's in the first season, but ARG is my favorite episode. The one where they're doing the Flying Dutchman's treasure hunt map. They're playing the board game, and then they oh, go yeah. hunting for the treasure. I feel like almost every single thing they say in that like could be quoted like into like daily life. Like that episode is just head to toe a quote back to back to back to back to back. Like oh, that's good. an absolute riot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they really had a great time. Like I know what you mean. A lot of those old episodes are like that, where it's like every single thing they say is funny, or yeah. like you could reference it in something later, and it's funny, and like people will know what you're talking about, like nine times out of ten. Yeah, like look, Mr. Krabs is getting all sweaty again. <laughs> like you might remember, like oh, it's from the Arg episode, like yeah. the Flying Dutchman's treasure hunt map. <laughs> so good. Oh man, yeah. You've got some SpongeBob-themed graphics, too, on your board, so... Yeah, I mean, I make graphics based off what I like, or I'm at a loss for an idea, then I'm like, um, I don't know, like, what would I ride? Like, something with SpongeBob on it, or, like, <laughs> I don't know, or I've made, like, the Pokemon graphics in the past, too, like, it's another one of my hobbies that I like doing lately, too. Um, but, wait, going backwards, though, what what's your favorite episode, if you can think, or if you can narrow it down to, like, a couple of them, because I know it's tough to pick a oh, one man. from those. It's really hard. To pick a favorite episode. Yeah. Or like one that's like in your top five. Yeah. I mean, any of probably season one, just because like it's so raw and like beginner. It's like, it's like they just made SpongeBob, like literally, mm -hmm. like it's not polished or refined at all. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. art is like super, super like, hand drawn. Like raw, like raw trucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I had to pick an episode, dang. That is a good one. Oh, what's that one uh, where there's like not a word spoken? It's just like... I think that's the first episode. It was like a, like a reflowing episode. I forget the exact name of it. It was like a half, like it was like a really short yeah. like skit kind of. And it was just like silent. Yeah, and then there was like, oh dude. Yeah, actually, like, the first episode's so good. I rewatched it, like, pretty recently. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is a tough question. Because, <laughs> like, I always rewatch them, like, late at night when I'm sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just going to have to say the first three seasons, and then mm -hmm. if I need to be more specific, the first season. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Dang. The Texas one's pretty good, though. Yeah. 
That one's really good. Maybe I'll pick that one <laughs> if I have to pick. Can't something. say anything bad about Texas. <laughs> what did you just say? Should I start running now? Ah, <laughs> yes. uh, so good. How did you get into Pokemon, and then how did you get probably back into Pokemon later? So, for that, the first time I ever went to a mall in like. 2000 like my aunt took me um, so I went to like the Taunton Mall Silver, Silver City Galleria and they were like okay you can yeah RIP that mall um, but then like okay you can like pick something so like Pokemon like just came out the year prior I'm like I want this oh like I want Pokemon cards like okay and then like that got me like hooked into Pokemon loved the cards started playing the game later on as well too um, but I probably played with those from like maybe like kindergarten to like third grade or so, like just collecting them. Then I kind of fell into Yu-Gi-Oh and whatnot, and did that for a couple of years. I and... did the same thing. Yeah, I had Pokemon when I was like, I don't know how old, and then Yu-Gi-Oh kind of took over at some point. Uh huh. And then it was fingerboarding. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I wound up like dropping that because like it's like okay, Pokemon's not cool. Like now it's Yu-Gi-Oh. It's like you no, know, all card games aren't cool anymore. So. And I'm like, okay, well, I like skateboarding and fingerboarding. <laughs> but um, go jumping way forward to 2020, all that fun drama stuff. Um, but a lot of people started getting back into old hobbies. I started seeing a lot more unboxings of, like, Pokemon on YouTube and even, like, on TikTok and stuff and whatnot. And I'm like, dang, like, I kind of want to, like, buy cards again for it, too. Because they had this one set where it was, like, um, it was called XY Evolutions. that came out in 2016, but they were still printing them in 2020. But it was a reprint set of uh, the original base set from Pokemon 2 that I'm like, this looks really interesting. Whoa. Like, you could, like, pull a Charizard in here or, like... Oh, whatnot. no way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But now those sets, or that set kind of jumped up a lot, too, now that... Because it was all the way back in 2016, and now it's, like, $25 a pack for that one. But Whoa. but the original base set packs, now those are, like, three or $400, like, unweighed, like, to be light with no hollow. And then if there is a hollow card in it, if you weigh it, then it's, like... 500 you can weigh it to tell the difference before you open it Oh, totally yeah that's crazy yeah it's it's really important for the vintage ones too because if you're going to spend like hundreds of dollars you want to know like there's a heavy weight to it that has a chance to get a a good hollow that you can grade and like make some money off of yeah whoa that's so crazy did you keep any of your old cards unfortunately not i feel like that's why i got like so heavy back into it Um, yeah i don't know what i did with my collection over the time either i just got rid of it or if I just was moving too much and like lost it or something I kept like most of my Yu-Gi-Oh cards because that was my new interest after Pokemon but I really wish that I had it and I feel like since I lost those it made like my new Pokemon addiction so much worse where I want to have like all the cards I used to have like and more right (laughs) (laughs) so I spent like way too much money on it but I had a lot of fun doing it though and I feel like I have most of my old collection back like and more and cool but it's really cool too like um um, my niece and my nephew are really into it as well too, especially my nephew. But it's a really cool way to kind of connect with them as well too. Like we're always like trading cards. Like he even nice. got like my sister like really into it too. Now she's got like a big binder and that's so uh, fun. It's nuts, but it's it's really fun like visiting them at their house. We all just go over our binders and do a bunch of trades and catch up and stuff. Whoa, that brings back so many memories. Like I didn't really get back into Pokemon like this kind of second wave that happened for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I kind of observed it a little bit. But um. I still have like a bunch of my old cards. Oh from, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. When I was first into it, I don't have all of them because I used to have a binder and I don't know where the heck that thing went. But I have a stack like this big, and like some of them are Japanese because my dad's friend 
would visit from Japan, like for like business trips and stuff, and who'd like bring me Japanese cards, and I would open them, and it was like so amazing because like couldn't read anything on them, but they yeah. were like ones that didn't come out yet, and then like six months later they'd come out in the U.S. and yeah. like in English, and it's like oh wow, like told you guys it was real, you know, yeah. like the trends so the same crazy. too. Like they still release a lot of like may not be six months, but at least like two or three months in advance they'll come out early in um, Japanese. Oh, the Japanese cool. ones, like, their print quality is just so much better. Like, the U.S. print quality is a little bit rushed based off the demand, I feel like. Oh, dang. Dude, everything made in, like, Japan is so good. Yeah. VX1000s, um, too. I even had a couple of Japanese ones in here, too. Like, there's this old, like, Dark Charizard from Rocket. You might remember oh, that dude, one. Dude, I might have this exact yeah, card. Probably. I just rebought that one off that eBay so from someone in Japan. Wow. <laughs> and that's, like, a modern Charizard that came out a year or two ago. And then that's, like the first promo Pikachu that came out. So cool. Is this the one from the movie? I don't think so. Oh, this there was like one a... where, like, you went to the Pokemon movie in the theater, and they gave you, like, a special card or two. I uh -huh. forget what it was, but I have it somewhere, or I might. After this, yeah, we'll I got some to of those, go. too. I could go get them right now, but <laughs> you later. Should. I can All check right. them out. I can give you a, an evaluation. <laughs> I've learned a lot about, like, how much a lot of them are worth and, like, grading them and this and that. Like, I spent, like, way too much time and energy into it but I don't know it's really cool <laughs> yeah that's awesome I probably have something worth a lot but I don't know if they're in the best condition so maybe not yeah like that makes a huge difference right it can yeah but mostly depends on the rarity and also like the demands of the card or and yeah. if it's like a favorable like Pokemon too like Pikachu and Charizard like those like everybody loves those people always buy those regardless of the grade Wow. But if something's like an undesirable Pokemon, even if it's in the best pristine grade, people might be like, I don't really want this because like, I don't really like this one. Like, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And then it's like, I don't know, I feel like at the same time when I find something old like that, like if I find like an old Pikachu, it's like, this is Pikachu. Why would I sell this? You know? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to sell it. It's hard and to let go of them. Yeah. It's, it kind of reminds me of vinyl records. Like I just kind of got back into vinyl and I pulled out my old collection and stuff. And, like, a lot of those, I bought them when they were new, when they were, you know, 20 bucks or whatever, 30. And now a lot of them are worth 300 each. Really? And it's like, but I'm never going to sell that because I actually listen to it and I like it and yeah. it's, like, my favorite. And I feel like Pokemon's got to be similar. It's, like, for people who do have their old collection and they pull it out and it's, like, mm -hmm. you have that dilemma of, like, well, do I keep this thing that I loved when I was a kid and it's so awesome or do I sell it because now it's worth more because mm -hmm. somebody else lost theirs when they were a kid and now they miss it <laughs> like exactly <laughs> yeah that's Dang, cool stuff i had no idea that vinyl records could go for so much money like that too dude you know it's crazy so my dad's really into pink floyd uh -huh. and he used to have all of their records or like a ton of them and there was one that like sold for 14 grand and i told him i like started reading the name and he like finished the sentence and he was like yeah i used to have that and i was oh. like used to <laughs> he's like yeah i don't know i think i threw all of them away like decades ago i'm not sure where they are or and, them at a garage sale or something yeah, yeah they you know it's like he said like you know records went out of style everyone got cds and there was no point to having records and like mm. i can see it from that perspective because like people kind of later got back into records and realized like okay if you get a really good setup it sounds better than a cd and like then it kind of came back or whenever it came back so it's like it's interesting how pokemon kind of faded out whatever and then it just like came back like super strong yeah it's an interesting point you made though it's like once records died people like thought them was like worthless and like now they're like really expensive like yeah. that's essentially what happened to pokemon in extent especially during the time period of like 
I feel like when I was getting out of it, a lot of other people were as well too. Um, but like that time frame of when they were printing cards, there wasn't a high demand at all. So they were doing lower print qualities on a lot of those sets that were coming out. So that's why a lot of those cards are very um, popular or well expensive when you're grading them because they have very low populations that not many people have quantities out there to get graded, to yeah. get it graded into a 10 to be worth more value than somebody else's. I think that's what's yeah. up with some of my records too because exactly, like, yeah. they're like bands that maybe were a little popular when I bought them so they made like you know 200 or 100 copies mm -hmm. and then it's like their fan base barely bought them all and then it's like 10 years later they're a huge band or a relatively bigger band and those old ones that they only made 100 it's like 70 of them disappeared probably like you don't even know who has them yeah and it's like Good luck buying one. Now your population's at 30, and then <laughs> yeah. people can, whoever's the first to sell it can dictate the price in the market and to an extent. Exactly. And it's like there's probably, if you go to every garage sale, there's probably one for $2 in a bin somewhere. Somewhere, And yeah. then there's probably <laughs> one online on Discogs for like $350, $350. You know, yeah. it's like, it's crazy how like things that are just collectible i mean we see it in fingerboards too some fingerboards get resold for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars totally even though they cost 40 bucks when you bought it or less even yeah <laughs> some companies grow more popular over time too and yeah then the resale value just goes like crazy yeah it's pretty crazy so i found my pokemon cards but before we get into this i'm going to mention one thing from before um you mentioned having adhd and did you know that people with adhd uh, they did like a lot of studies and they found that they can focus just as well or better than like everyone else But only when it's things that they're interested in Really? So it's not like a it needs to be reframed a little is what they're saying. It's not like you can't focus on things It's almost like You're not interested in what you're not interested in like some mm -hmm. people can focus Decently on everything and some people are like, okay, that's dumb. I'm not gonna pay attention to it This is mm -hmm. what I want to pay attention because People with ADHD can go like super into fingerboarding, Pokemon, whatever it is that you love. You know everything about it, you know? You, you go super into it and you get creative with it and all that stuff. That's focus. That makes a lot That's of sense. A lot of focus. I mean, because think about like one of my biggest struggles with ADHD would be like in school, like always getting distracted, like looking out the window on the side or like looking at my pencil or looking at the binder and thinking about how I could do a front crook on it with my tech deck or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, but then like other things like fingerboarding, like I just like deep dive into it, stay focused, get as much done as I can until like I'm exhausted, but it makes, it's a really good point though. Yeah, and I think that's really important to kind of, to pay attention to and like for fingerboarding, it, it totally makes sense. Like a lot of people say like fingerboarding helps me with my ADHD and it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, cause you like it and yeah. you can focus on it, you know, you like. Enjoy it. Definitely. So yeah, that was just a little tangent I wanted to get get into before I forgot about it from before. And now, I found a whole bunch of my old Pokemon right, cards. These. Holy crap! Take a look. Dang yeah, so this is kind of starting from like the era I was talking about, where it started to get a little unpopular. The the Neo like that. Same with this one too. Dang Japanese Dragonite from Fossil. That one's crazy. It's got a little swirl in the center too. You can see it right there. Whoa, yeah. yeah. That's more, sick. More people like for, want that as like a more desirable card. 20 minutes later. That was a really cool. Yeah, that's part of my childhood before fingerboarding right there. Those are the things that like, 
we're talking about like finding like records at like someone's like garage sale that's like yeah. two dollars and it could be like actually 14 grand like this is like yep. the stuff people like go for to find an old collection like this and someone's like uh give me like five ten bucks for all the whole stack <laughs> and like okay cool yeah totally but definitely tough to get the more and more people have awareness towards it now yeah sometimes people find like vx 1000s and stuff at like yard sales too yeah just like that <laughs> just like 20 bucks you want it yes sure how about 10 okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's like hmm, i don't know 20 is kind of steep for this <laughs> camera like it was made in 1994 it's pretty old it could be broken it's pretty useless you just let me have it for free or like you take something else and be like let me get uh like this basketball and this for 20 bucks and like okay like <laughs> came with a free basketball yeah Cool. One of the user submitted questions for you was HD or SD? HD or SD. HD is great and all, but there's something about the nostalgic feel of the standard definition, specifically in the VX1000, I like better. So I would have to say SD. I know some people might not like that answer, but <laughs> there's just something about the nostalgia of the VXs, of like how I grew up watching that skate footage as a kid. Like that's the stuff that kind of inspired me. Like even before moving to California too, I'd see all these clips filmed on that camera with like the nice like sunny glow in the background just because the VX1 is like so good like when it's sunny, especially like on golden hour before the sun goes down and the, that mixed with the combination of how like the sensitivity level of the microphone, like not being too loud, too soft, like it's nothing, nothing can beat that. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I yeah. love HD a lot, but SD, VX1000 and also DVX for me is very nostalgic, mm -hmm. but yeah, just uh, that look, the feel to it, the sound, the fisheye. Like, fisheye and widescreen, it's just not the same. No. It's okay. It's still, I mean, it's really cool still, but yeah. it's not as, not nearly as good. Like, you can't get as close because you have to chop the top off if you get closer. Yeah. Uh, or you have a ton of wasted space on the sides versus the 4-3 aspect ratio. It like frames a skater perfectly or a hand mm -hmm. just like with no wasted stuff on the sides and you can get closer because of it yeah and i feel like when you're doing hd and stuff like that too you almost have to like tilt the camera like a little bit to like compensate for like the height you're missing on the top like especially if you're filming like yeah. a tall skateboarder like myself can be kind of challenging too like on like a hd fisheye shot yeah definitely how tall are you um about <laughs> six one nice yeah a good height to be yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> all the heights are good yeah i got the short body you just gotta make the best of it yeah i mean i, I like forget, it. i forget where i read it recently too but someone was like talking about like the science of like it can be easier to skate like being shorter i saw that yesterday stuff. yeah i forget yeah. where it was it was something on instagram or whatnot yep but, that's where i saw it it was yeah. um oh, i don't know maybe red bull somebody random posted it and but it was like an interview with a skateboard fitness trainer which i like just heard is a real thing i didn't even know that they have those but Interesting. i guess like some of the pros go to like special fitness trainers who... oh they definitely have them like at red bull for sure but i don't know if they exist okay. too far outside of like <laughs> other companies like that yeah but, yeah it's interesting it makes sense like trying to build up your physical fitness in a way that benefits skateboarding long term so that you don't have to quit when you're 30 mm -hmm. from like injuries that could have been avoided if I'm you knew what stretch to do. <laughs> <laughs> this could all be over no i think you're good i mean you're yeah. not like doing massive gaps and like breaking everything not so. as much anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> you got any broken bones um 
I broke my pinky, ollieing a really big gap, like in high school, and then Whoa. a little under two years ago, I had a worse injury. I fractured my ankle. Oh. I was skating this ledge at my local park in Huntington Beach, where I was doing a nose grind frontside 180. I was coming out like a little bit too early, and um, my front foot stayed on the board, like in the switch position, and my other foot stayed backwards, and that going pulling that way, and then I wound up sitting and crunching my foot in a twisted uh. motion. So for Dang. like, I was icing it for like close to like four hours, like thinking it was just a really, really bad bruise. And yeah. I'm like, I should probably get this checked out so I can get like a, a note for work tomorrow. And they're like, yeah, you fractured it. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Did you have to do anything or just rest it and put it in a like cast or? Um, they put me in the cast and then eventually like a boot like a month later. So I was on crutches for a while. Um, and then I had to do physical therapy for quite a few months after too to try and Regain. I pretty much had to like relearn how to walk again. It was crazy. Oh dang, that's <laughs> yeah. extreme. I didn't realize it was that crazy. Yeah, and then even worse too, it was my flicking foot. So like, I've my kickflips have always been opportunistic, even though I've been skating for like twenty four years. Um, I've always, <laughs> but like the beginning of that year, I like finally figured out how to level them out. Like so nice. I'm like, oh cool. I just gotta like lean back a little bit more, and then I can flick out easier, and it'll like level out, and it looks really good. And then I fractured my ankle that year, and now they're back to, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kick flips are overrated. Exactly. I prefer tray flips anyway. <laughs> <laughs> way cooler. Way easier and way cooler. Nice. On a fingerboard, I love kick flips, but on a skateboard, I'm not mm. a fan. I mean, I like watching them. I don't like doing them is yeah. what I mean. It's very, at least for me, it's very easy to get frustrated over them. Yeah. Because, like, it, there's just, like, good kick flip days, and there's bad kick flip days. Like, you can't control it. <laughs> it's something in the yeah. stars it could be <laughs> you know how the moon has different gravity like with the tides and the phases and all that stuff uh-huh so the moon's pulling the kickflips like that's why some days they're rocketed and other days they tweak downward like <laughs> the front goes down it's it depends on the time of day the moon where the moon is you know like all that stuff you got to get one of those tide charts and track it with my kickflips yeah. And then I can find out, like, only on full moons is when my kickflips are flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you know on full moons the most crime happens? Really? Yeah. It, like, sets off something in everybody? Or... Yeah, apparently. Or I mean, maybe it's, it's just better lit at night. Who knows? <laughs> or, <laughs> or is it because it's closer towards the end of the month and bills are coming up and people are like, I gotta, I gotta make a move, like... <laughs> you know, that's a good theory. I bet it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. And more that we don't understand. Yeah, that's crazy. All of the above. All of the for above. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Are you good at multiple choice quizzes? Um, I'm actually not good at those. No? I always think like, like especially like in high school where you're like, oh, the whole test can be multiple choice. Like, I'm not going to study that much. Every single time <laughs> I was in one of those moments, I come back and I have like a somewhere between like a 40 to a 70%. Oh, <laughs> dang. Well, good thing you got your own company now. Yep. <laughs> yep i graduated high school so we yeah made it. and you got a sweet job advanced too you've been crushing it there for years yeah i started all the way out here in massachusetts as like a part-time supervisor a year and a half later i was promoted to an assistant manager a year and a half later i decided to leave massachusetts and go to california and pursue vans out there to try and get into the headquarters eventually and pursue store management and then I went to like a couple other different stores now, but I'm still an assistant manager, but now I'm at like the highest volume full price store in the entire company as assistant manager. So there's like really the only next step from there is to jump into having my own store. 
Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. Which it's pretty cool too, because like you have a lot of district managers over the years too, and a lot of them will tell you one thing, and they'll tell you another thing. Like, oh, I think you're ready. Like, oh, I think you still need to do this. I think you still need to do this. And like I've been told that so many times. <laughs> so I'm like, well, now I'm at the highest volume full price store. It's like you can't have me do anything next besides store manager. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to get to that location too. Was like you, I can't hear this answer ever again because like you can't tell me it. Like there's nothing you can do to go yeah. above us anymore now. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go in there and ask them for yeah a promotion. Sometimes you just gotta <laughs> challenge yourself and put yourself in uncomfortable situations like that, and it may suck at the time or may feel that way, but you might get those opportunities you're looking for eventually because of that challenge, or you'll learn something new to help push you towards like some other reward later in life. Yeah, totally. It's it's that good work ethic you got. Yeah. Take note, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Yeah. I, I'm still pretty lazy a lot of times. I have my moments, too. <laughs> well, that's why it's cool to have your own company, too. You can work at your own pace. Like, yep. I, I have to balance it with working on Vans' crazy schedule. If I'm working most weekends and everything, too, I never have consistent days off. So with this, I can kind of play on, like, okay, I'll have some time off. Like, I can go sandboards this day, mold boards, et cetera. Like, try and get this done before the next deadline for something or whatnot or trying to make sure I'm not taking up too much time before like releasing stuff yeah it's cool to have both you know you have like your job that you have to go to when they say and you have to do it and then you have your guaranteed like some income from that and then you have your own like freestyle on the side like if you work super hard you do super well and if you feel lazy you can take a break and nobody you know nobody can tell you otherwise basically like people yeah. will ask you for boards and you can just say like oh later i'm taking a break or like yeah just making a few this month or whatever you want to do so it's like yeah exactly what you put in is what you get out and it's totally up to you how you go with it mm -hmm. like my first like i don't even know like five plus years of device like i was making such little boards like just like sometimes like there'd even be months where i wouldn't even make anything or any of that and not even like mold anything too yeah. But I'd still, like, put stuff out for the year to, like, sell at least, like, a handful to some people, like, give some to my friends and stuff like that, make a bunch of my, for myself to try out, but, yeah. So when did it get, like, more serious? Because now you're doing drops that, like, sometimes they sell out in, like, a day or less. I guess so. I, I feel <laughs> like it's honestly only happened just a few times, mostly with, like, the 55s and when um, um, uh, Alan's stock as well, too. Oh. Hi, Rhombus. Welcome to the podcast. Sorry, this is a good moment to ask backwards. Uh, what were you just asking me again? <laughs> uh, hey, Rhombus, what was the question again? She says it was... Oh, yeah, when did Devise get more serious? Ah. Hey, Rhombus. <laughs> um, I feel like I started getting more serious in 2015 when we started doing them on your website. That was also the time when I moved to Rhode Island. I left California. Um... I moved there when I was 18 to pursue college for a few years because my dad was living out there. Um, but a lot of like stuff happened in life too, a lot of like personal stuff and whatnot too. And I felt like it was a good decision to move back to the East Coast for a little bit. Um, so I wound up doing that. I started working as the part-time manager for Vans at that time. But then the other way to help keep my income for rent and everything was through fingerboarding too. So I kind of put like a little bit more pressure on myself where I need to come up with at least like 20 boards a month that I could like sell to you then we could like market them to make sure they sell through the month and then do it again next month etc but so it's just something to like help me uh, like pay off all my bills and kind of put a like a deadline on myself but then like doing all that too it kind of helped progress everything as well too it progressed the company progressed my ideas progressed all my creativeness so it was just really good overall yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's super cool. But yeah, super thankful for opportunity like that. Like you really helped me out a lot in my life at that time too. I'm cool. not sure if you really realized that, but I probably had no idea. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I realize I understand now more. Yeah. That you're telling me. But like literally, like That's there was crazy. a time in my life where I almost had to like drop doing device early, like maybe not completely, but like a lot, where I would have had to like part time bands and then like work a job at like a restaurant or something like that too to like pay my bills. But the fact that I had like this opportunity to like get at least like a few hundred dollars a month off of it too like was like just what I needed for to, yeah. to keep it alive and to keep me to like have a second job that I actually enjoyed doing crazy what kind of stuff happened in California like you mentioned it was tough and then you decided to leave um my girlfriend and I broke up um my oh was that the one that you were with like sometime that I went there probably yeah the long one, time the one ago that skated yeah yeah um you were at, together for a while right yeah, I think like a little under two years. Um, yeah, it's pretty substantial. My stepmom also passed away too. That's rough. yeah, but um, yeah, my stepmom passed away, and there was something else that happened. I don't want to mention my other family member, but someone that means more to me in my family. Something almost happened to them, and that one like was like I was like I got like hit with a blow, another mm. one, another one. Then I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of like a lot to take into that time, and then I was also jumping into the sense of like I should probably like, have my own place be more responsible, like take less pressure off like my family and stuff like that and be more independent. And it was just like a big transitioning period for my life at that time. Yeah. How old were you then? Um, probably about 22, 21, 22. Yeah. Sounds... I was still pretty young. So I was still like trying yeah. to get, get all like that party vibe out of myself as well too, of like just turning 21, like getting rid of all that. And then also like maturing at the same time too. Yeah. Sometimes those like difficult moments can be like super key moments. Like you either go the right way because of it or you go the wrong way because of it. So it's like you made the right choice to be mm -hmm. like, all right, this is like showing me something. What can I do with it? And then now you're flourishing. So yeah. It's awesome. Floundering. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Ah, she's so beautiful. <laughs> when did you first meet Rhombus? Oh, man. Probably around... <laughs> 2015 I would say too when I moved back that's when I started uh, hanging out at your house because before that too like I'd been to like a few rendezvous before but like I was such like a shy kid like I was so afraid to like talk to you or like pretty much like anybody just besides like the group of friends I was with yeah um but I don't think I wound up ever talking to you until like I moved to California already <laughs> it was at like the, the the Venice skate park there was like the Black River tour where they came out for like two weeks and did like four events like, oh dude. two for each weekend that was a crazy tour yeah yeah i went on that with them that was nuts so yeah. you were at the venice is that the first time that we like met or talked first time we talked yeah yeah i like waited to like the very end before i was about to leave. No. like i almost like didn't do it <laughs> i'm and glad I'm, you like, like i'm like did. i need to say hi to him like yeah and then i like offered to make you a board and then i'm like i'm like yeah like i can make you a board like you should check it out like i can bring it to you next week's event like i'll be there and you're like okay cool like like, just don't make me anything with like a red top ply like <laughs> oh yeah dude red top ply is bad luck yeah like it's bad luck it's bad luck wait what did i just say bad luck yeah it is bad luck <laughs> <laughs> i just thought it was like a preference like it like might throw off your vision oh no dude it's literally bad luck i can't even get into what happens but uh yeah. bad things happen to a lot of people with red top plies okay and if you now that you know that if you start looking into it you'll be like oh my god like this is weird like it's a weird conspiracy or something but we're gonna have to dig into that after the podcast i want to i want to <laughs> yeah um but yeah like 
like a handful of different people I've known who had like injuries and stuff. It's like, oh, did your board have a red top fly? And it's always like, yeah, or like most of the time. Oh so I don't know, like did yours when you broke your ankle? I hope not. Or pinky? Probably not. <laughs> it it might have, dude. You, know, you never know. Because usually yeah. you put the grip over and you forget what the top fly is anyways. Yeah, yeah. But, but red's not usually like one of my choice. I try not to use it a lot because when you mix it with maple, it's very easy for it to bleed into the bottom ply and everything. Hmm. So nowadays when I only use red, I do like red top, red bottom, and then usually like red middle or something yeah. too, just so it, it all kind of bleeds together. Red bottom's all good, and yeah. symmetrical is cool, but I still won't use a red top if it's red bottom. Yeah. Can't do it. But I wasn't doing much graphic decks at the time. I just really loved the sense of just like making like natural like wood boards. Like I was very yeah. inspired by like a lot of your like the woods you guys would use for G12s and stuff. Cool. Um, so then I've decided like, oh, he doesn't want red. I'm like, I'm gonna make blue then, like, cause that's my favorite color. And then you like SpongeBob and so do I. So I made like all SpongeBob colors. I think I used like <laughs> probably like a yellow or brown and blue and a maple mixed together, just so it was like. Kind of like his body, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's like, awesome. oh, like I'll make it SpongeBob themed. Like it's the opposite of red. It'll be good. You'll like it. I probably still have that board. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I have to look around. That's sweet. Was that the same mold as uh, like the newer ones? The are? regular? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably like I made that shape for like about a year. So like I was like very confident. Like this is a really good one. Like I yeah. think you'd like this. Like nice. yeah. That's sweet. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode's sponsor segment. We have Maple Wheels all the way from Canada. These things are awesome. If you've ever seen Shark Tank, they had a skate company that made square-looking fluorescent light bulb style wheels, and they called them Shark Wheels, and these guys did a collab with them. So we got a fingerboard version of them. We've got blue wheels. We've got... Ooh, party pack bowl and we got ultra so they have they've got different shapes the ultra are actually not square crazy shape they're just round these look nice very nice shape oh yeah I'm saving the sharks for last because that's the most exciting to me awesome look how neon those colors are that's crazy so these are the bowl shape they got maple on the side of them, like the letters sticking out, so that's cool. And yeah, these are all bearing wheels, of course. And they're like a urethane kind of material, I believe. I'm going to try them out here in just a minute. And here we go, shark wheel in blue. This is my favorite. They got these cool stickers too. So, oh yeah. I don't know if you can see it here. I'll, I'll zoom in later if not, but they have this crazy swirly look to them and they From a certain angle they look square Wow, they really look square from a certain angle. Yeah, and but they're actually round of course And I'm about to pop them on this setup and see how they go. So Yeah, thank you so much to maple wheels for sponsoring this episode and we just teamed up, so you'll be able to buy these on the Flatface website as well. You can also buy them in Canada on the Maple Wheels website. And yeah, let's see what they do. I'm sure they will roll. And as a bonus, they should be good. Actually, I mean, I've tried these before. I do know that they're good. But th this is my first time having my own. Wow, they look crazy. 
Cool, yeah, they have a kind of soft feel. I have these on a skateboard too, on a cruiser setup, and I have to say it's kind of a similar sensation. They're like a little bit soft. They're not too grippy, but they are, they're somewhat grippy, you know? They're grippier than flat face wheels. Got a nice squeak to them. Yeah, these things are just awesome. They look really cool. We'll show some close-ups of those rolling. And yeah, so again, if you want something really funky, try out their shark wheels. They look totally ridiculous and they roll smoother than you'd imagine. And then these bowl wheels, these are classic, great for an old school setup, cruiser setup, whatever. These are pretty big wheels. Actually, yeah, they're about the same size as the shark ones, but I don't know, the shark ones don't seem so big because they have a crazy shape. And then if you're into regular fingerboarding like we all are, you got this more like a street shape wheel. And those are the, oh, where'd it go? Oh yeah, the ultra shape. So yeah, you got ultra, you got bowl, and you got shark. So check them out, shark wheels or maple wheels really, maple wheels on my website and maple wheels on maplewheelsfb.com. So we met in California and then you came back and then how the heck did we start hanging out? I don't remember. Um, you wound up like, so after that moment when I gave you the board, we had hung out that event. Um, we hung out like after the event as well too. And you talked about like, oh, like you should, um, we should like sell your decks on my website. Um, you should just like try and come up with some graphics because graphic decks sell better. So then I started exploring that area for graphic deck making because I didn't really do a lot of that. Um, but I was also moving back and you're like, oh, we totally got to hang out. Like, so then, and then you were doing all the store sessions and stuff too. So like I'd at least come by for the store session and like once a month and like hang out for the weekends and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I remember like some of those like store sessions and stuff way back when. Yeah. I think like the week I flew back, there was a rendezvous too. It was rendezvous 21 maybe. It was the last one you ever did at the warehouse before your new one, like the bottom level um, at the, the... Oh, in the big building? The place off Osgood Street. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you um, have Alex um, and one of my good friends, B-Cat, who works at Skater's Edge, went with me that day. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Rendezvous 21. It was a good one. It's pretty mellow, too, compared to uh, how they are now, too. I mean, there's still a lot of people there, too, but now it's, like, it's always, like, 200-plus people. Yeah. And then, like, the more and more, like, as the years go on, like, especially, like, as a company owner now, too, I know so many people, like, continuously meet no new people, and, like, now, like, the event's, like, very, like, overwhelming. It's, like, I want to catch up with everybody, but, like, I don't have enough time. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Like, there's just so many awesome, cool people in the scene I keep meeting, and, like, it's just, like, almost too many, but it's definitely not a bad thing, that's for sure. Yeah, it's... It's wild. A lot of times at the rendezvous, I'll like see people like that the whole time. And it's like everyone, I see each person for like three minutes or something. And then mm -hmm. it's like the next person like comes in or whatever. And it's just like, you feel like you saw like 200 people, but like you barely got to talk to any of them. Yeah. Cause it, each one is like so fast. I know. Like, <laughs> like even like I made like one custom board for one of my friends and I couldn't even find them in the event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had a lot of people like message me after and they're like oh hey i was at rendezvous but like i was too like i didn't want to bother you or whatever and i'm yeah. like oh you should have came up or like some people like 
where like yeah i was talking to you at rendezvous but i didn't tell you who i was oh. and i'm like dude you were so close you should have just told me because then i would know like yeah. you know it's like when you do have that chance when take you're it. yeah yeah just take it. don't, don't feel like yeah. you're like people feel like oh i don't want to take this person's time it's like you're already talking to them it's like you're not yeah. You're not less than anyone else either. Like, you know, like everybody is a person. So like, but that was my exact same mentality. Don't be the too shy when you have the chance. I was like too afraid to like go talk to you. And I'm like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I don't know what to say for one. And then I was like, hi, like, this is my name. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a start yeah. because if you don't do that, then it's like, yeah, oh, I met this guy. I don't know who he is. Yeah. Versus, oh, I met this guy. His name was Stefan. And then right? it's like, oh, Stefan, who's Stefan? Oh, he... He owns Devise. Cool. Like, you know, yeah. like you can get somewhere if you at least know who it is you're talking to. Yeah, but back then, like, I wasn't even thinking too much, like, of deck making. I looked completely different. I didn't have a beard or anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the beard is iconic. How long did it take you to grow it like oh, that? That's a tough one to answer, but I could kind of dig into, like, when it started. Yeah. That helps with it. That's cool. I was working for Quicksilver before uh, Vance. So I was doing retail for like, it was like Quicksilver, DC, and Roxy. They had a, a corporate office where they had a retail store, like a tri-brand store of everything together. But my managers were doing No Shave November. Nice. And then they were like, you should do it too. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And then I wound up like growing a beard like faster, <laughs> like longer than some other people too, like my managers and stuff. And I was like, dang, like, I'm like, I'm just going to keep this running. Like, this is pretty cool. Like. <laughs> Um, it was like a little bit like patchy in like certain areas too, but like it starts to kind of cover over itself like the longer it gets. Like, yeah. Like this in total is probably like I don't know like six months to a yearish of like probably growing or something like that. But it grows super quick. Like every time I trim like an inch off of it, I feel like next month it's like it's already back. Like <laughs> it's like has like a mind of its own. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Stefan's beard has a mind of its own. <laughs> Have my beard have its own company. <laughs> Whoa, you should. It would be like a little offshoot brand. Beard Boards, sister company of Stevise. That would be sick. Do you yeah. put any like beard oil in there and stuff or you just leave it? Occasionally, like mostly like if I'm going out or if I know it's like getting too dry or something. But other than that, I just put like conditioner in it like every other day. Like when you're like washing it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's like washing your hair. Essentially, yeah. It's, it's like a, a lot of hair. It, it's a second set of hair. Like. Yeah. You got more on your beard than on top. Possibly. I did last week for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you, uh, what do you eat to feed the beard? What do I eat to feed the beard? Yeah. Or uh, to feed the whole system, your body, including the beard. I don't know. I, I try to eat healthy. I eat a lot of like Mexican food. Um, but so I really like, I don't know, I just like things simple like chicken steak rice bowls together like that too yeah like i'll have like a lot of burritos i eat probably more fast food than i should of like things like taco bell and in and out burgers and stuff like that but in and out's yeah. almost not fast food though yeah. like that's the one fast the food one. that i'll yeah. eat i don't even consider it fast food i, I mean it is fast hmm. food but it's like i don't get to have it often so yeah i love it so good i mean it's cool too because like well, there's not that many out here, but it's like you could go to McDonald's or you could spend that same amount of money going to In-N-Out and get a burger. It's like actually a lot more well-made. Yeah, way <laughs> so better. So if you are craving it or craving a cheeseburger, it's better to go for something like that. Yeah, too bad they don't have them on the East Coast. Well, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I like Five Guys Burger, though. That's Those are pretty I good, I guess too. that's our equivalent, maybe. Yeah. It's like They're a little more expensive, but they give you a lot more fries, for sure. They're usually like 
fill the whole bag with fries usually. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> they put one down the street, but I'm sure you'd rather go to Harrison's. Oh, yeah. Oh, Harrison's is amazing. Yeah. One in Andover or anywhere close to this part of Massachusetts, Harrison's Roast Beef. Yeah, we used to go there a lot. Yeah. Tell them. Sauce Mayo. Yeah. Is that, or, they, or they call it the SM, Sauce Mayo. Junior SM, Sauce Mayo. Get the fries. They're really good, too. They put them in the, the deep fryer. and just, I don't know. There's just something about them. Like, they're crinkle cut, but they're just made, like, so well the way they do it. Yeah, so order the Sauce Mayo, and you get a roast beef sandwich with sauce and mayo on it and yeah. that's like what makes it good is their special sauce like it's it's so amazing so we sh- should we say the name of their sauce we can say it because a lot of people yeah. listening aren't going to be in massachusetts at all maybe even ever in their life yeah they're all over the world so tell them the sauce they can get it make their own roast beef sandwich at home and melt into euphoria i remember the name of it do you remember the name of it <laughs> i'm trying to remember it's like James River, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's just James like... James River Ramps. It's just like Rock River, yeah. It does. You know what sucks? James River barbecue sauce is really, really bad for you. Really? Yeah. I mean, I would eat it on a special occasion because you're here and it's Harrison's, but I wouldn't recommend putting that, like, every day on your food. Like, uh-huh. it has MSG and all kinds of weird chemicals in there. So, that's why it tastes so good. Yeah, I was It's, like, say, that's really, so really tasty. Yeah. But, yeah, I wouldn't recommend eating that often. Like, you'll get... A worse form of ADHD for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it does. They say a lot of people's ADHD improves when they like switch to more natural diets and stuff. Interesting. Just because your brain is like not being kind of influenced by all kinds of toxins, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. These are not real health claims. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. There was one question I got from, I, I posted it to, uh, someone asked me what my favorite Pokemon game was, and I would probably have to say maybe like Fire Red, when they like made the replicas of like the original, like first few Pokemon games, like Red, Blue, and Yellow. Oh, I never played those new versions oh. of them. They were really good, because like it was the exact same story and everything. Um, one cool like feature before, like it showed you like where the last like three or four things you did before you shut off the game, so it kind of gives you a reminder of what you were last doing. You're like, oh yeah, I was working on this or that. Like like a little recap? Yeah, it's like you last like cool. beat this gym or you last caught this Pokemon and Whoa. you last talked to this person in the game in this area. And then it kind of helps to like give you a throwback of like, oh yeah, I was like trying to complete this or that. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I stopped playing at like gold, silver, and crystal was the last. Ooh. That's when I stopped playing. Next ones were good, too. Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. No. But then after that... Not real. I never yeah. had it. <laughs> <laughs> Those were great. But then the, cool. the Nintendo DS game started coming out, and that's when I started dropping off from it as well, too. So and then mm. I don't really have much knowledge on those games. Yeah. Besides the new one, Scarlet and Violet, that just came out, those are really good. I oh. like those a lot. Cool. Yeah, I don't have time for games. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, play it that much, but... I still have it. I really wish I brought it on the plane with me because there was no audio for the TVs yeah. this time. And I'm like, eh, I don't think I'll need my Switch. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish I had my Switch. Dude, I actually, <laughs> the last time I played was that I left it on the plane because I was like, oh, this will be perfect for the plane. I never play games at home usually. Uh-huh. I'll bring it with me, play it on this long flight. And then I like got there and I was like, oh, I left it on the plane. It's gone. Oh my God. It, it wasn't my like original. I still have my Game Boy Color. Oh, cool. Oh, that's the, really cool. Yeah. I, Kill to have mine. <laughs> but it was a Game Boy Advance that I left on the plane. That was also pretty old. Oh, GBA. Yeah. 
That was super fun. But yeah, I don't know. I just like, I don't have time to play video games these days because there's always something I would rather be doing first where it's like, okay, if I do all the things I want to do today, then I could find time to do something like that. But it's like, mm -hmm. I never get through half the things that I want to do in the day. So yeah. Agreed. Like I had like a big phase where I was playing it a lot, like when I first got like uh, Pokemon Scarlet, but then like after like I started beating most of it and it's like more stuff coming up, like I haven't touched it in like probably two months now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Video games are interesting. I used to play a lot of Skate, a lot of Tony Hawk, and basically very few other games. I played like when I was younger, like random, well, okay, Super Smash a lot. I'll still play that if it's like somewhere that I'm going that like people are playing i love to play that but mm -hmm. like on my own i like never pick up video games and i think it's because it's like you put in so much effort for nothing like you only have the brief satisfaction of like i did that thing in the game but you have nothing to hold in your hand nothing to like it's not like making a fingerboard where you put in all that effort into sanding it and stuff and then it's done and you're like hey mm -hmm. it came out terrible snap it make another one yay yeah. it came out great like it's way cooler to interact with like real physical things at this yeah. point. Like I'm not trying to diss video games cause I definitely spent like infinite hours on them and I'm not against playing them, but I think it's important to like do real life things. Or I just think it just too. becomes harder to balance video games the older yeah. you get. Just more responsibilities come up, like just like higher responsibilities at job. Like you might have a family you have now too, but then when you have, like, the family and kids and stuff like that, then they start playing, and that's a great time to be like, oh, my God, now I can finally play again. Yeah, that's a great like, time. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. get to bond with their kids, like, when their kids get old enough to play games, and then they get back into it together. Yeah. That's super cool. I that's would definitely do that. A lot of people I see that um, do that with skateboarding, too. Like, when I'm working at Vans, people, like, will be like, oh, like, my kid wants to get into skateboarding. Like, I'm going to get aboard with them, too. Like, we're going to, like, buy, like, two completes, and it's really cool to, like, see stuff like that. Oh, that's like, awesome. now they're reliving, like, their love for skateboarding all over again, and they're, they're seeing it, like, through their child as well, too. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of the job is building, like, completes for stuff like that. Oh, that's <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Like, that's somebody's like journey like being heavily impacted in a good way yeah that's so cool journey journey gonna <laughs> tell the story of journey journey um that was yeah, a cool was one. It, uh, johnny salazar was it from was it peru or spain was it i think peru i think peru yeah yeah but um yeah he went to a store session with me you and alex and then we went to harrison's after um, I didn't really know much about him, but he introduced his name to me when we got there. He says, his name was saying Johnny, but with his accent, I thought he was saying Journey. So I'm like, I'm like, Journey? And like, I confirmed it with him, and he said, like, yes. So I'm like, oh, like, nice, like, nice to meet you, Journey. And I'm like, you're all like laughing off to the side, like, <laughs> like that, knowing exactly what just happened. <laughs> yeah, and you totally thought his name was Journey. Yeah. That was hilarious. For quite a few hours. That was great. Yeah, he was cool. Evan, is he fingerboarding still? Yeah, um... Oh, sick. Yeah, I saw recently he just posted, like, a stock of decks, but he'll be kind of like someone who, like, will do it for a while, like, jump out of it, jump back in, so, like, you know, like, they have that passion deep down inside of them, too, like, they continuously go back to it. Yeah, like, almost nobody ever quits fingerboarding. Like, they might stop for it's a few tough. years. Yeah. They'll come back. You'll never lose the skill, too, as that's one of the biggest things, too, is, like, so many people will stop for years, like, especially, like, a lot of my friends are, like, used to do it, and, like, they'll, like, use my board, and they come over, and, like, they can still kick flip, they can still nollie flip, like, yeah, and, like, it's crazy to, like, see that for me, like, watching them do it. Yeah, that's crazy, like, 
in Germany too, like people like Elias, like he doesn't fingerboard that often, I guess. But then every time he does, he's just as good as the last time. Like yeah. you, you would think he's doing it every day or something, or like pretty often. Oh, someone asked me um, another question too. It was about like favorite styles or whatnot too. That Elias was a huge like inspiration for me as a kid. Like after I got my first G12 deck, I bought the Berlinwood Elias deck like right after. Cool. Like, even before I got, like, bearing wheels, like, I was still using, like, tech deck wheels, <laughs> like, spinal wide trucks, Teflon bushings, and, uh, yeah. And then eventually I got uh, bearing wheels, which the first ones I got were G4Ds, and then I realized, like, how much, like, the deck made a performance, I didn't think the wheels would, too, and I'm like, oh my god, like, it all stays in motion so much easier, like, the yeah. flick, like, with your wrist, and it all just stays together, like, because a lot of time when you're using, like, plastic tech deck wheels, like, your board's like staying behind in a slower motion and your hands too far ahead of it that you don't land stuff like yeah but once i figured out how those two intertwined i was like oh my god like i feel like i was like riding on glass like right away like feeling the bearings right away and i'm like this is like addicting like so much worse like <laughs> <laughs> like i'm really hooked now yeah it's a huge difference once uh -huh. you get everything good on your board for the first time compared to like wheels that are like bumpy and they stick and mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah huge game changer don't under, don't underestimate bearing wheels <laughs> yeah or elias i think he's yeah. influenced more fingerboarders than i don't know almost anyone like he's he's one of the biggest because everybody says him everyone's yeah. like yeah he was like one of the biggest inspirations like his style and yeah like for me too he was like a huge inspiration i know there's that part he did at the the herricks that harry filmed and there's that one video he did that and then you, you like, you copied the whole video, too, as, like, a tribute, too. Yeah, um, the um, park at night. Yeah. That one's so that good. That one's really good, too. I think, didn't you have, like, a Berlinwood Rasta deck in that one, too? I think that's where... I read it was a fade. It was, deck. like, one of the old fades. Oh, okay. Like, probably from, I don't know, 2008-ish era. It was, like, like a kind of exotic-ish maple where they tied it different colors, tie-dyeing kind of together. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Like the maple with cooler. the dots on it, like John Cowart's arm kind of. Oh. Skin. Um, bird's eye maple. No. No. Not bird's eye. Just oh. like, like it's regular maple. It might be the way that it's cut. Maybe the grain kind of. I don't know. Oh. Like. German maple uh, trees. I have to show you later, but <laughs> yeah, like certain maple gets like really like, it's almost like sparkly, but it's not sparkly. It's just like it has like, like a lot of dots. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, what's in the beverage? Uh, I was drinking Dunkin' Donuts earlier, which Dunkin' Donuts was my first job. Shout out to them. <laughs> um, I worked there for about a year before I moved to California and started working for Quicksilver for doing like retail. But I was in the food industry before I did retail. Cool. How was it working at Dunkin's? It was really fun, actually. Um, it was pretty <laughs> mellow. Like it was inside of a gas station. Um, so like I was like inside of a shell station, so there's always at least one other employee there that made me feel comfortable, which is That's good. That's cool, yeah. Sometimes I'd be by, by myself at the store, so, but at least like someone else is there, it makes you feel more comfortable. But other than that, it was pretty mellow. I'd only work shifts, like after I got out of school, like I didn't do any of the morning ones, because like just, they already had people scheduled for that stuff. So I'd just be like, go out, go there like right after school, make a bunch of coffees and lemonades and stuff, and throw all the bagels out. <laughs> <laughs> But they were cool, though. They let me, like, take home food a lot. I wasn't able to accept tips, though, like, because they're all, like, franchise-owned. So, like, some franchise owners can choose to, like, do cherries instead of accepting tips and whatnot. 
Like, for example, there's one kid who got hired on the same time as me. He worked at um, another location nearby owned by the same person. He accepted a 50 cent tip his first week and got fired. Wow. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was so scared, so scared to like accept a dollar from somebody like after that. Like, and if I ever did, I'd have to like really like keep like under my hand and like walk into like the no camera zone and like drop it in my pocket or like. <laughs> Dude. That's crazy. So they don't let you accept tips and Only why? certain franchise yeah. locations, yeah. Because of charity? They want to donate to charity? I'm assuming. It might have been, like, probably something to benefit, like, the franchise owner. I mean, like, well, there's a good cause to donate to those charities, too, but they could probably also, like, kind of, like, write it off in that sense, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Huh. I but, mean, there's got to be yeah. a better way, because there's ways you can donate to charity without taking your employees' tips. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that's going to... Because tips are really important for a lot of jobs. Like some jobs pay less because they know you're going to get tips. Mm -hmm. So you're really depending on those tips. Yeah, or you might be inclined to give a better service if you know you're going to get tipped as well, too. That's true, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where do you get your motivation? You got no tips coming up. right? <laughs> um, but my boss was cool, though. She let us, like, take a little bit more food than we were supposed to because of that. So oh, cool. I'd always, like, leave with, like, a sandwich and some donuts and some coffees. And, nice. Yeah. <laughs> It was always worth it. Were the donuts still good back then? Like, they changed them at one point. They're, like, Yeah, they are probably now. better that back then. They are yeah. probably, like, a little bit bigger. I know they've gotten small over the years, still. <laughs> they, like, reduce it by 2% each year so no one notices. Probably, and then they're going to be sliders <laughs> before you know it. Like. <laughs> but did you notice, like, they used to be so good, and then they, like, changed the sugar to corn syrup or something, and, like, they don't mm. taste as good now. I mean, it must have been 10 years ago or something that yeah. they did that, but... They used to be amazing because I used to eat a lot of donuts. Yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden they were just not good and I had to stop eating them. Interesting. <laughs> and that was, like, before I learned about healthy food, so I was just, like, yeah. loving the donuts. I would skate to Dunkin's and just, like, get a few donuts. Yeah. I know. There's one that's super close to your house, too. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. All right. Do you want the easiest or the hardest question of the day? Um, let's do the hardest question now. All right, the hardest question, what was the biggest mistake you've ever made in life? Mm, I kind of sense this question was coming, so I thought a little bit about it. <laughs> I don't know if it's the best answer, though, but like... Well, what's the best answer? Um, I really wish I started my website earlier and kind of like put myself out there more because there was a lot of times, like I mentioned, where I was, wasn't was making a lot of boards or like kind of like tough times where like almost have to get another job and take hours away from working on boards and stuff like that I have to get rid of the company but I really wish I put a website out there just for like who knows who would have saw it who would have like placed an order of like a deck I had like sitting around and just like sent me like 30 or 40 bucks like could make like a big difference but I literally only just started my website about like under two years ago so <laughs> I was literally just only making boards from like selling it to like to friends like at events or um just like small distributions at skate shops and stuff like that but yeah there wasn't not a lot of money <laughs> coming in from there yeah it was all just like just doing it for fun for passion but then i came to that point where i'm like i need to like make a little bit off of this otherwise like i really can't do this like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's crazy it's like you don't know what kind of potential you have if you don't go all in with mm -hmm. it or at least more in yeah and then the more effort you put into it, the more results you see. And now, like, I can't even really keep up with everything I want to do. Like, I wish I could make way more boards that I can think of, too, because there's, like, so many 
distributors I want to hit that like are reaching out to me and there's also so many distributors I haven't even reached out yet to that I'm like I'm afraid to reach out to because like <laughs> I don't have I'm not gonna be able to finish stuff in time for them you know yeah that's a good problem to have though is yeah it's an excellent problem to have yeah but it's definitely stressful still <laughs> I mean I'm even in the same kind of boat like I have so many distributors that want boards but I can't make enough boards for my site yet yeah. so it's like yeah, and that's important too. Crazy. You got to protect like your your website too, because like that's where you're getting your main source of income to survive, so you can continue to do other things with distributors and yeah, exactly. send stuff out to sponsor events and stuff like that too. Because the smaller the company is, the less room you have to wiggle with that as well too. Like I'd love yeah. to sponsor every single person's event that like messages me too, but it just depends what I have at the moment, honestly. Yeah. Or like what's going on in my life at that time too. You gotta hire like some help or something <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's getting there i'm starting to have uh, my girlfriend help me a lot as well too she's helping me with like the sanding process like some graphic application and things like that but i had her like um like make her own boards as well too to kind of like see the process and observe me and how i do it too and i kind of give her like steps where i feel like it's kind of like hard to mess up these things too but she's very creative as well too so she just picks up on that crafting stuff pretty easily i feel yeah. like that's awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. It's fun to make boards with people. Yeah. I know. It, it is. And, like, even if I got, um, even just, like, hanging out with, like, friends in the garage, like, when you're making boards, too, like, even if, like, they're not working on stuff, like, too, like, just to have someone else, like, to talk to, to, like, um, just talk about, like, whatever's going on. It's just, like, cool to, like, have, like, a friend there just, like, with you, like, in the process of while you're yeah. in the trenches working on boards. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Did you ever have a childhood dream? Uh, I have had a, a childhood dream, like, like but not a dream, <laughs> like, like, like in your sleep. Child, yeah. Like, uh, what, what's your biggest dream? Like when you were younger? Oh man, um, I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. Sick. And well, that didn't work out. But I found <laughs> out like the next best thing you could do is like to be involved in the skate industry. I found out that makes me like just as happy, if not happier, than I would have been if I became a professional skateboarder. Um. I feel like just the responsibilities you have as a skateboarder and like maybe like the mental battles you put yourself through of having to compete with other people and like thinking like is my stuff good enough etc and having like footage deadlines and stuff like that too it can almost take away the fun out of skateboarding so yeah. I feel like if I pursued professional skateboarding I might have like been out of skateboarding by now if, if I did that. Yeah that's a good call actually definitely I think. Yeah. Yeah, like, what you get to do now is, like, working with skateboarding, and you're bringing a lot of, like, you probably even see more happiness in a way. Like, you get to oh, give 100%. people their completes and stuff like, yeah. when they're starting. Yeah, I mean, like, retail might not be the main thing I want to do, like, with skateboarding working in the industry, but it's something that still makes me happy for at the time being right now. But I feel like as long as I'm involved with skateboarding and no matter what I do, like, that's what keeps me happy and feel like I'm making my dream happen that way. Yeah, that's Because I'm awesome. working with passions that I really enjoy doing and I'm not just doing like a job that I don't like just because it pays me a lot. Yeah. And it's overall not like not draining or anything. Like sometimes some people like Yeah. Every job can be draining at times. Yeah, true. Yeah. But it doesn't take the fun out of the hobby for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's good because th there's a lot of mixed things with that. Everyone I talk to, I ask like, does it make it better or worse for you? Because like some people, they start working on their hobby and they're like took the fun out and other people mm -hmm. are like oh it's just awesome it's so good every yeah day. like for me it's amazing i love it totally like i don't have to skate every day i can skate once twice a week i can skate once twice a month like i still love it just as much but it's definitely 
for your mental health to skate more and just to kind of help push yourself as well too to learn new stuff and hang out with your friends it's always good yeah <laughs> definitely and now time for the user submitted questions user submitted questions we have alex garcia says what is your process when you're trying a trick when do you decide to click record hmm i feel like as soon as i've thought of the idea and i've like tried it once or twice i think it's a good time I feel like a lot of times too, if you've like already done it and then you go for it again, then sometimes you get stuck in these battles where it's like, oh my God, I just did it. Like now I'm like so ag aggravated. Like, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. That's one that everybody's been saying too, is like, <laughs> if you've already done it, forget about it. Yeah. You're not doing it again know, right? almost. For someone like you, I would say like, like when I'm filming you, like I need to like start recording before the idea comes to your mind. Because sometimes yeah. you're like, I think I'm going to do tray flip, nose blunt, and I flip out. You got that, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'll like do it as I'm thinking of it yeah. or saying it. I have like quite a few clips like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty common. That's how it works. Yeah. You think of something and you do it and then it's yeah. gone. Because then it's so stressful when it's just like, oh, I got to do it again. It's like, but sometimes it'll come really quick, but when it doesn't, it's yeah. just like, it's just that much more frustrating when you know you've done it. It's more frustrating than knowing it's like, oh, I almost landed it. It's like, I literally just did it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's like, yeah. if you didn't already do it, you wouldn't even care if you don't do it. Because mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, I guess I can't do that right now. Or like, not working. But if you just did it, it's like, oh, what? it just happened. Why can't I do it again? Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Next question. Good question, Alex. Another Alex asks, what's your happiest fingerboard memory from Alex Miso? My happiest fingerboard memory? Mm. Dang, that's really tough. Um, I like almost want to say like my first rendezvous, like the first time experiencing all that stuff too, but I feel like there's probably like a better answer of like with my personal friend group. But I guess since I can't really think of that, I'd probably have to say the first rendezvous, just like seeing all this stuff come to life, like seeing these like two thousand plus dollar Black River Parks. Well, now they're worth like seven thousand dollars after shipping. But <laughs> seven thousand. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Like someone just got no. a G fifteen. They paid seven thousand dollars shipped for it from Black River from Canada. Or I mean, because like really, it costs like around three thousand dollars like for shipping almost now. I know it used to be like a thousand to fifteen hundred maybe when. I oh yeah, you know what? Board. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it used to be less. I think the latest one I got it was. 2500 shipping for me yeah. it might depend where you're shipping it to also yeah, though because the east coast is like closer you get the ocean and you just send it over the ocean and it's there versus california you have to go over the whole country too yeah ocean then the country yeah <laughs> or around the long way yeah <laughs> but it was definitely a overwhelming and great way to see all that stuff come to life like see how many finger waters there were how many other people like knew how to consistently do kickflips in their grinds and stuff and yeah just seeing all these park parks come to life that like i only saw like on your videos and black rivers videos and stuff like that yeah it's super crazy like i had the same kind of feeling like at my first rendezvous which was the first rendezvous like uh -huh. when i saw taylor rosenbauer and he was doing stuff i couldn't do and i had never seen in person like oh you can like nolly train nose grind and it's like not hard for you and it looks good <laughs> like what yeah because that was super hard like i don't if i could do it back then it didn't look good and it took me an hour to land it so Same. it was just yeah. like wow no way like seeing fingerboarding in front of your face and then all the crazy ramps and stuff that even like he would bring and everything like i started getting a lot of black river stuff and he had a lot that i didn't have yet and it was oh wow really crazy to just see everything 
Interesting. <laughs> Early inspirations. Yeah. Super good. All right. Do you like cats? I love cats. Yeah. I'm more of a cat person <laughs> than a dog person, I would say. Me too. But I have um, uh, two cats with my girlfriends, uh, Valentina and Marchie. Yeah, I heard yeah. one of them is really soft. Yes, Marchie is very, very soft. Like, like rhombus soft. Yes, like on that level. That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible softness. Not many cats are that soft. Yeah, that's the best. I love cats. Why is your name as a dog if you like cats better? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I feel like, so that was a nickname I created for myself when I was playing Tony Hawk's Underground a lot. I was like doing like the online play. Cool. And then like you're like at that phase where you're like going into like elementary, middle school. You want to be like cool and accepted like <laughs> and like kind of like gangsterish in a sense. Like that's when like Gene it was big, I guess. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mostly made it as like the like cash money like sign like dog like nice. like, like dollar sign dog. Yeah. So my friend Alex Hancock said to me once. So that was really funny. That's great. Um, but yeah, that's mostly why I made it. Then I'm like, oh, it makes sense. It's like cash dog, like, but it's S dog, like Stefan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, just like, kind of like Snoop Dogg or whatnot. It's like, it's cool. It's like gangster. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. But that's how I felt in fourth grade. And then I put it like on my MySpace as my name too, S dog. And then um, eventually like one day when I was hanging out at Joker Skate Shop in California, um, the, the shop owner there like saw my name as like S dog on MySpace. He's like, dude, like I'm only calling you S dog from now on. Every person I can introduce you to, to out here, like I'm introducing you as like S dog. Like That's he introduced me to like Wee Man and like Jeff Grosso and like so many other like professional skateboarders. Like, oh yeah, like this is S dog right here. Like, dude. Like, hey, like, nice to meet you. Like, <laughs> Damn, I didn't even know that. That was crazy. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, but then I just kept pushing that towards like my my YouTube name, like my Instagram handle, like my personal account and stuff, and just yeah, just just ran with it. Yeah. Sometimes you're just like so far deep, like you just can't go back. Like you're Mike Schneider one six one. Like you're not gonna change those last three numbers like all randomly. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Even with Flatface, I've said this before somewhere, but I don't oh, remember yeah, that's where. Oh, a better like, example. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> when Flatface became kind of big, there was this moment where I was like. Oh man, like I'm stuck with the name Flatface. Like it's so Forever, stupid. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. And just what the heck is Flatface? And then like it was already famous. It was like it's too late. You can't change it. Yeah. And but it's a, all this reputation up to it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's an awesome name, but it's like totally random. So yeah. It's, like, <laughs> I know. It's like funny. enough to get like people get confused by it now. I feel like within the end, they're just like, ah, eh, like well, what's behind the name? Like what is the, the product? Like. <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't make sense, but yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's just stuff we come up with when we're young kids and don't realize how far it's really going to follow us down the line. Yeah. So maybe think about that, kids, when you make your YouTube or your uh, fingerboard company name or Instagram handle, like, you might be stuck with it forever. Yeah, think of a cool name. Yeah. Spend a year in the dictionary. Yeah, use a thesaurus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we got a great one. How do you like your steak cooked? My steak yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh medium rare for sure I, I do like rare steaks too um my girlfriend actually works at a brazilian steakhouse too so they have really good steaks there Ooh. i get kind of scared by the rare ones sometimes if they're like really like raw looking almost to an extent too but i love a nice like medium rare steak like i like seeing the red in the middle for sure yeah me too i used to like it more kind of well done almost because i was like just uh -huh. so scared of like the rawness and 
So I was just like, yeah, steak's not good, you know? Like, I don't like steak. And whenever I would get one, which was not often, it would be like, yeah, well done, you know? And then once I had, like, just even probably medium, and, like, I'll do medium to medium rare depending, and it's, uh -huh. like, so much better. I was like, no wonder I didn't like steak back then. I was getting yeah. it well done. It's, like, basically overcooked. It's like meatloaf at that point. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I mean, a good steak, like, a little bit rare on the inside is, like, so good. You ever go to Florida? Not in a while. All right. Yeah. Well, next time you go to Florida, get Take some care. alligator. I so will. good. It's like if you mix like chicken and like, I don't know, scallops or something together, like in the middle between those two or like chicken and like, I don't know, like a white fish kind of. Alligator. I would try it for sure. Yeah. There's a place in Salem, New Hampshire that sells like sticks like that of alligator, like alligator jerky stick. Really? Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't been there in years. But it's like on that main strip in Salem where like all the stores are. Hmm. Um, can you backflip? Can I backflip? Uh, on a trampoline, um, I think I could probably do it into a pool. Uh, I don't know if I could anymore, but definitely on a trampoline I can do a backflip. Wow. But not on flat, not jumping off the side of anything. Yeah. But I had a trampoline growing up from like when I was in middle school, so I was doing like a lot of front flips. It took me a while to work up to doing a backflip. It's really scary. But yeah, I, really I can scary. Yeah. I've never done one. I can like just barely do it on the trampoline where I can like just get enough momentum. Like you kind of have to like start flipping later or at least like for me, that's how I figured it out. Whoa. That's really scary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm too old to that. Yeah. Cause like that. front flip, like you're already like starting your flip, like as you're doing the jump and you're almost halfway there. Yeah. So, yeah. Front flip. I could always, for some reason do those. Yeah. Backflip so much. I can better. backflip off a swing though. Oh, I used to do that a lot when it's I was in middle so school. So fun, yes. I've done like one like in my more recent years where I was like, I don't know if I got this. And then I was on the swing and I was like, oh, I totally have it. And I just did it. And like thinking about it now, I'm like, I don't know if I would go for it now. I feel like if you saw someone do it, you would feel more comfortable to do it. Just like skating or something. Yeah. Like if, you, like, if, like, if, like if we were on a playground and I did it a few times, you might want to try it or something. Yeah, it could happen. But I kid you not, almost every recess I had in fifth grade, I was doing, I was running out to the swings with my friends so we could claim them and we'd take the swings all recess long <laughs> yes. and we would do backflips off them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, me too. Like me and Pat McGinn did a lot of those. Hey, Rhombus. Um, Next question is, do you dream about fingerboards in your sleep? Dream about fingerboards in my sleep. Um, probably not a lot. I can't really think of a distinct time where it's happened, but I'm sure I do. Probably more so like fingerboarding with certain people, more so than like creating boards or anything. I'll have like trick ideas come to myself, mostly like for skateboarding, like in my sleep, but not like fingerboarding for some reason. Cool. I think with like with fingerboarding, the more you do it, and once you learn how to like kickflip and stuff into like every grind, like you can almost do all those ideas like in the moment it's like oh i'm i kind of maybe could do this or whatnot too and then you can probably do it within like two or 20 minutes or so like <laughs> yeah usually <laughs> yeah i feel like with dreams sometimes i'll have skateboarding ones or like do you ever have like you're falling asleep and you can like control your dream kind of yeah those yeah are the craziest ones i love when i get that yeah. and it's skateboarding and it's like just a white background and it's infinite like stair sets they're just like 10 sets and then they land and there's flat and there's another and another and just like do every flip trick down them all oh it's like so fun i've had that like i don't know 10 times at least like interesting just randomly happens i hope i get that again it's been a while like sometimes i'll have dreams like if i know i'm going to, like a certain park tomorrow i'll like start like imagining myself like skating it or, like just zone oh, off into sweet. that 
it's That's like, cool. oh, I can't wait to try this. I can't wait to try that. Like, envision yourself doing it. Like, yeah. That's awesome. What does he eat for breakfast? What do I eat for breakfast? Um, I usually will have like a lot of like fruits, like an apple or banana, but lately I've been having a lot of breakfast sandwiches. So I'm just trying to get bacon and eggs into my system as soon as possible. Just because I find myself to be a lot more productive when I have like um, like high proteins versus there. Yeah. Because a lot of times in the morning my stomach's very sensitive, so I want to have things that are like kind of cool. Like I used to have yogurts a lot. But then I kind of started figuring out, I feel like some of these things might be like too high in sugar for my body in the morning too, that I should have something that's a lot more like natural fatty. Like even though it might have a lot more sodium and whatnot and stuff to it, I find it's a better way to start off my body for the day. That's cool. That's kind of similar to what I'm doing. Like a lot of protein in every meal, but especially breakfast, eating like the same kind of food I would for lunch or dinner for breakfast. And it's like, the protein goes a long way. Like, I think a lot of people are deficient in protein. Like, you need so much protein every day. And, like, the recommended amount is, like, too low, basically. And a lot of people aren't even hitting that amount. So, it's, like... Interesting. Yeah. Protein and fat really fuel your body and your mind. Like, your brain needs that stuff to function really well. Yeah. And especially early in the morning. I don't know why I never thought of how important that could really be. Yeah. It's a good way to, like, wake up for it. I just have, like, a lot of stomach issues in the morning for some reason. Like, Sometimes it's, like, really hard for me to get an appetite. So mm. I have to kind of, like, just, like, wait for, like, that opening. And, like, I got to take advantage of it right yeah. away before, like, my stomach, like, shrinks. And <laughs> then I can't eat anything and I get angry easily at everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's important to get some food in you. It's, like, I just feel like when I wake up, I have, like, I mean, I have, like, a ton of energy when I first wake up. But it's going to go away really fast if I don't eat. But if yeah. I eat, then it's, like, somewhat sustained. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to put more fuel in. Exactly. Just like a gas tank. Yeah, exactly. Put in the premium. (laughs) Organic bacon. Have you ever had duck bacon? No. It's so good. That does sound good. It's amazing. They have it at Alpine. Oh, that meat place. Yeah. Hmm. I got to get more. It's been a long time. Rhombus, you're getting too much hair on me. Sticking. All right. What else we got? How is moving back east to Cali? Wait, how is moving from back east to Cali? Moving from back east. Um, moving from here to California. I'm just trying to think of a good answer because I've done this twice. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you kind of already covered it. Yeah. So, Well, I don't know. What about, like, culture shock? Like, it's pretty different. Like. Oh, totally. Um, it's definitely a lot better weather out here for sure. It's a lot better for someone like myself who has ADHD and loves skateboarding like it's always sunny there's not as much rain and snow there's like no snow out there so it's very easy like when you finally have a random day off like you can utilize it till it's fullest um that and like kind of being more of like a city setting like in Huntington Beach Costa Mesa area there's like everything you want to eat is like all near you anything you want to skate is all right near you too so um definitely a lot cooler of a culture in California I would say but from the east coast though i really love like i don't know just like the scenery like the foliage of like with the leaves changing in the fall and stuff like that is like really awesome but um other than that i don't like the winters out here i got tired of like shoveling my car out before work every day it was really annoying um um but family and friends are the biggest things of why i come back to visit out here i would say like visiting people like you visiting my mom who still lives out here like my stepdad and friends like alex and stuff like that so yeah 
gotta make sure you visit your yeah visit skater's edge yeah visit all the important people and things that keep you going and harrison's and harrison's yeah (laughs) yeah gotta get the harrison's i didn't go last time i was out here too i'm off to go before i leave tomorrow yeah at least some fries how did you and scott meet scott from dynamic you and scott um i've probably like met him at a rendezvous um but what's funny was um he moved to california as soon as i was moving back the first time like uh, oh yeah like, like the very next event i missed he like just moved out there and started <laughs> going out there i'm like oh my god like we so cool to like hang out with this guy more often too because scott's like a very big innovator of the scene like he does so much like for the california fingerboard scene and just the fingerboard scene in general like with all of his products and just constantly good customer service and making sure everything's going positive um but yeah and then then i met him when i moved back out here again basically or i probably talked to him at like a rendezvous before i, I think i probably did where i was like i literally like just missed you like yeah. <laughs> like i live out here now i'm like well i'll move back out there one day <laughs> whose fingerboard styles do you admire both people you have seshed with and people you haven't met oh uh, that was the one um where i kind of brought into where i talked about elias's um Scott has a really good style too since we're talking about him he's like insanely good yeah just like super realistic like such good like flicks into like everything too consistency levels like almost unmatched like he's really good I like your style a lot too like it's like very like fun like you do like crazy technical stuff too like very consistent as well too just like the fact of just like landing like constant stuff after stuff and just like coming up with an idea and doing it super quick is like motivating it's like I like I want to do that (laughs) cool yeah that's awesome i appreciate it um what else we got that's a lot of questions oh this is a cool one yeah dude you're popular there's like there's a bunch more there's just people online today or something (laughs) how he keeps his authenticity and core mentality in the current climate of trends hype instagram etc holy crap that's a good question it's a great question um I don't know. I just feel like my passions are just so rooted into myself. So I feel like if I was falling away from it, I would just be jumping towards doing trends like for money for, I don't know, just like based off certain graphics I might not like or certain things like that. Um, or I don't know. Or, oh, yeah, but we, we never touched on the 55 fingerboards too, but like say something like that too. Like that's something that had like a very high and popular demand, but it's not something I enjoy doing. It's like, it's something if I pursue it, I feel like I was going to only be making boards that big, and that's not what I like to do. Yeah. It is more important to do what you want to do, especially with your creative energy, than to, like, do what people expect of you or something. Yeah. And you can obviously do a little bit of both, but you have to get the ratio right where you're having fun and you're not killing it for yourself. So it's like, yeah. you know, if you feel like doing 55s once in a while, like, we should definitely do that. But it's mm-hmm. more of, like... If that's not your thing, you shouldn't be doing that all the time. Yeah. You know, do it once in a while for fun. And then it will be fun because it's like, oh, I'm doing this goofy thing again. Exactly. And not yeah, like, yeah. oh, day number 300 of making these circles. I don't want to do yeah. it, you know? These so, giant egg-shaped boards. Yeah. Yeah. But they are super fun. But yeah, you, you have to do just what you want to do, yeah. what you think of and what feels good. Exactly. And, like, that's something where, like, they're cool and all, but, like, like you said, it's best to kind of do them in moderation because, like, that's something, if it's, it's something is expected out of me, then, like, I'd burn myself out pretty easily, I feel like. Right. I'd lose my core authenticity. Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question and a good answer. Biggest regret? The 55s. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. All right. I'm, I think we touched on that with not starting the website too early. Uh, that's kind yeah. of just like a joke answer too, but also kind of true at the same time too. Um, should we dig into that really quick, how the 55s came about? Yeah, let's do it. So basically, there was after one store session, um, someone from Connecticut, I think they had like, their company was called like Treehouse Fingerboards or something like that, but they gave you like a molded deck, but they just took it straight out of the mold. They cut the veneer super duper wide. Oh yeah, dude, like I remember 60 this 60 plus now. millimeters wide at least. Yeah, it was so big for yeah. like no reason. It wasn't intended to be a wide board. Exactly, yeah. They just molded really wide pieces of wood. Yeah, and they just like, and they wanted you to kind of like shape it into something like small and you were like, no, like I just want to shape this whole thing as it is like that. Yeah. So you made this board that was like roughly around like 55 millimeters <laughs> and then we were having fun using it. Scott helped you like make the trucks for it as like a yeah. fun April Fool's joke. Um, but then after that, you told me to like make you one. So like I molded the one, put the microvise windows graphic over it and then you made the video and then bam, over the weekend it was like over a hundred thousand views. Yeah. So insane and that it got that many my views. My DMs were flooded. And there it is. Yeah. It was the insane. original 55. It's basically a circle. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Those are them. Those, this is the original one. It's funny too. I was just looking at this. I feel like um, like the bottom ply on this too was it doesn't even go all the way to. It's like, like the the veneer never went like all the way. Oh, there. Yeah. what? I never even noticed that. I never noticed that. Yeah, that's crazy. But it doesn't soft the performance though. Yeah. Yeah, and these were like kind of like the more modernish ones. Oh, no, I this... guess the graphic was over yeah. it. Yeah. So this was the mold that I, <laughs> or well that one I was just using my regular molds, and then you can see the mold marks in it from where it reaches past the thirty-eight millimeter yeah. mark line where it goes. Then I um, got this other mold, which funny story with this too. Um, I was just looking on eBay one day and like someone had a 55 millimeter mold and it was literally Whoa. based off my own shape. No and way. And they're selling it. So I'm like, well, I'll just buy this. It was like 50 bucks or something. Like That's crazy. So they based it off this guy? Um, I think my regular molds, but it's very extreme though. Like it's more, or well, yeah. maybe it is kind of like that. I don't know. This was what it wound up looking like. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's similar, it's just like a better version and it's steeper. Yeah. Or, I mean, the biggest thing oh, what I liked close. about it was... It's really was, close. Yeah, it was pretty close and there's no mold marks on it. Yeah, so the concave doesn't yeah. like... I wound up like kind of cracking the mold a little bit because it was like 3D printed, so I like reinforced mm. it a bit with nice. wooden stuff. and. But yeah, it's still a little wonky to do it. I don't have a good template for it too, so they're very tedious to make. So when I spend like two or three days out of the week if that working on stuff like it's not always a top priority of mine <laughs> yeah so good though but definitely a very fun thing definitely thankful for the attention it brought to it too but <laughs> it's not my passion it's not 55 millimeters it's usually about 34 millimeters and below yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome or 36 and below those ones are pretty cool too 36 is nuts yeah it's a little excessive, but I don't think a board should go over 36 millimeters. Unless you're doing like a really wide, like pool shaped board. Yeah. You get like 38 to 40 at most or something, but. The funny thing though is when you use this for a little, it like doesn't feel wide anymore. Yeah. And then you go to any other board and it feels like a super thin pencil. It's almost like a good like training too if you start with that board. Like, you know, like in baseball, like when you're warming up. <laughs> you'll put the donut on the bat you'll add like a little bit more weight so like you're getting your swing down and everything 
it's almost like this like practice like your kickflips and your nollie heels before you start for the day yeah. and then your fingers are so used to flicking so much harder when you go back to your 32 millimeter board it just flicks so well <laughs> this thing is so crazy so you could call it a donut <laughs> Dang, <laughs> put, put a hole in the middle it should have been called the donut let's do a donut graphic oh man like i could do that and then drill a circle through it Oh, dang, Maybe. The last time people drilled in the center like that was when the fidget spinners were really big. And some, oh. some people were putting bearings in the center of the boards and it's like... Pssst. I'm so glad I didn't see that. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like it. Talk about ADHD. Yeah. You got to do everything. <laughs> yeah. What Pokemon would be a sick skater? What Pokemon would be a good skater? Um, Mew. Mew would be yeah. good. Um, maybe Mr. Mime. Mr. Mime, is that a newer one? Nah, he was in the original 150. He's the, oh, really? He's like the mime, or I don't know, he can like create like walls and stuff like that too. Oh, yeah, he's like kind of like roundy, like yeah. constructed. Imagine Mr. Mime's skating a busty skate spot um, in downtown LA. Security guard's about to come. Bam, invisible barrier. Oh, he really in. is yeah. creative. That's a great answer. Interesting. That's yeah. amazing. I love it. <laughs> Somebody needs to like animate that. I know, right? I was thinking of like some sort of like ninja, like this new Pokemon Greninja, but then I'm like, Mr. Mime probably be better because he has like abilities. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And he actually has feet too, unlike a lot of other Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. How did you end up with the deck on display at the Nine Club? Was stoked to see that. Whoa. That's cool. Someone noticed that too. Um,. I was really enjoying watching the Nine Club. Um, I just really like podcasts, which I'm really thankful to be on this one too because of that. Um, but I really enjoyed watching the Nine Club. I was doing it a lot when, especially when I first started working for Vans, because I just had to start stretching myself a lot to try and move up. And one of those things I was doing was I was hosting um, like a weekly conference call on Fridays. So it was like our rally call to get the teams like hyped for the weekend and whatnot. So I was doing that for like about like nine months. But the Nine Club of like how they were conversing and keeping conversations going helped me a lot too. So I really liked it for that and to learn more about skateboarding because that's all I really care about, honestly, <laughs> to an extent. Um, but I decided to just make a, a Nine Club board for fun. Um, one of my friends was almost about to be on it to be like on the experience show. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, like I'll make you it. You can like hand it off to them. Um, it wound up like falling through though and I still had the board and I'm like, let me just try and find an address like I mail it to them. <laughs> I don't know how I got it, but I wound up finding it, or maybe they had like a fan mail address, but I would just wound up sending it. They actually wound up like not only like opening it, but like Roger like never really posted anything on his story, but he like posted like that he received it. He's like, oh, device thing awards, thank you. I'm like, whoa, like they whoa. got it. And then I was watching um, Ian's episode from Jenka Meg, and then I saw it in the background. So like I could tell by like everything, I'm like, oh my God, like they put it on the shelf. Like that's cool. It's blown away. But it was on there for like three episodes or so. I was like, holy crap. That's amazing. I feel like it might have, I feel like there was a time where they were kind of going through a lot of their stuff and like giving it away and stuff like that too. And like they either probably still have it or they might have like given it away in like one of like the raffles or something as like an extra. So it's in good hands somewhere. Yeah, that's so cool. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but if you like something, like if you're a fan of them, like just send it to someone. If you can find their address, they might like it. They yeah, send me a lot of things and we'll just pile them on the couch here in the yeah. corner. I know, right? <laughs> start putting shelves in the wall back here and 
<laughs> people can like send in like drawings or yeah i get a lot of drawings actually some really? of them are pretty cool oh wow some of them are up at the rendezvous like on the walls and oh, stuff i think i saw those last time but yeah. i have a bunch i need to hang up that's cool i've never had someone send me a drawing not someone yet send me a drawing. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> Ryan Bernier, I have no questions for a stupid American. <laughs> Dang. That was our inside joke when we went to uh, to Canada one year. Oh, that's so good. We were just like assumed that like people like, or I mean not intentionally, we we're just kind of just having fun with it. Like maybe like people don't like us because we're Americans. Like, oh, you stupid Americans. Like, <laughs> you don't know how to speak French or you don't know where this is. Like, or... <laughs> Oh, that's it's like kind of getting in our, in our own heads and having fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we just kept saying that like all weekend long. It was like me, Ryan, and Jay. Amazing. That was fun. New deck shapes and sizes, question mark. New deck shape and sizes. Um, Not a new shape exactly, but later on this year, I am trying to bring back the classic molds where it was originally made in 32 millimeters. I'm trying to get the mold made um, and in more quantities up to 38 so I can do the classic mold in sizes 33, 34, 36 if I wanted to. But cool. I feel like that'd be a good thing to add to because like one goes back to like the origin of device and but also two it offers a new shape where if you don't necessarily like high kicks, this one's medium kicks so it's a little bit more of uh, a little more for everybody. Cause some Sounds people like good. like my brand, but they don't want to like really like ride my boards because it's not like their shape preference. Some people like really low kick. Some people just like a standard medium, but whatnot. But, mm. Yeah, yeah, I like them. Um, I like steep boards. Same. I feel like yeah. it makes the difficulty way less. Like it's so easy to do any yeah. trick you set your mind to. But some people don't like that. But to an extent, like I think fingerboarding is all about having fun. So like yeah, exactly. If you can't have fun with your setup. Um, I don't know. I feel like you're just not going to fingerboard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like it to look like skateboarding to a degree, but there's also the angle where it's like, all right, if it's easier to use this board than that board and it feels better because I don't have to try so hard and I can do better tricks, it's totally worth it to use a steeper board. Oh, absolutely. And that's how I do a lot of my crazy combos. Like, I can do them on mellower boards, but it takes twice as long. Mm -hmm. So it's like... You want to find the fingerboard that works for your style, your tricks, and your hands. Like, everyone has different and everything. Your, and for your patience level. Yeah. <laughs> That's for me. Yeah. I mean, there's some fingerboards that, like... you got to get the reward of landing it. If you yeah. keep going the battle and you never get that reward of landing it, like, I don't know. You might just lose motivation. I use certain people's setups, and I'm like, you would be better if you didn't have this board. I know, right? And sometimes they're like, yeah, I know. And other times they're like, oh, really? Let me try. And then, like... You show them and they're like, oh, I didn't even realize, like, my setup was holding me back. That's right. <laughs> but some people like it. They like the challenge and the feeling of, like, trucks that are so floppy with no bushings and yeah. mellow and, like, bad grip tape or whatever it is because it's, like, yeah. you can get those lower tricks that you barely landed and they look stylish. And, and it's rewarding to them because, like, yeah. they, they get it and it looks really, really good and yeah. that's a huge plus, too. Exactly. So it's, like, it's not even a bad thing. It's just a different approach. Yeah. Exactly. Do fingerboarding your way. Yep. What works for you? What makes you happy? If you like boards that suck, use them. <laughs> if you like boards with uh, really long noses and tails and weird wheelbases that don't match them, like, if you like it, just use it. <laughs> yeah, whatever you have fun with. Um, last question. Can he give an tip for improving my skill? And tip on improving skill. Yeah. 
Um, Capital T on the tip. Consistency, I would say. Just doing it. Um, like, when I was, like, struggling with tricks, like, nollie heels and stuff, like, I still struggle with them to this day. But, like, once I figured out how to, like, land them, like, maybe one out of 10 or 20 tries, I tried to, like, add it to my daily routine of, like, okay, like, do all your tricks. Try and land at least, like, one nollie or switch heel, like, that day. That way it doesn't, like, go away forever. Same thing with, like, nollie and switch trays. I struggled with those for a while, too. And now, like, those are some of my favorite tricks to do because I'm, like, oh, I finally figured out that sweet spot in the pocket. And, like, now it looks so good, like, how to, like, do it in and out of stuff. Like, um, so, yeah, definitely just consistent. Like, don't get down yourself. Maybe try a new setup. Maybe your, your kicks aren't high enough or maybe, like, your board's <laughs> kind of, like, worn down or your tape's getting too dull or it needs to be cleaned or something like that or the bearings in your wheels are dying. But maybe try like mixing up your setup or mix up the obstacle or the area you're trying stuff on as well too. Yeah, those are all great yeah. tips. It can also help too with like the height of stuff you're on too. Like sometimes it might be easier yep. if you're standing up on like a tall table or maybe not a short table. But well, we're sitting down. Different tricks at different heights too. too. There's yeah. certain if you want to do like backside 360 kickflip to a grind and it's like lower than you, it's so much easier. Oh yeah, like that's almost true. too low, but it's like yeah. certain tricks you want if to it's do. Too from high, and you. They're not going to be able to catch that yeah. reach out. Yeah. And then other tricks, like, might be easier if it's kind of higher, like, or if you're on the edge of the table versus in the middle, like, for switch stuff, it's, like, way easier yeah, on the true. edge. So, yeah, there's, like, so many variables you can switch up. Exactly. Cool. Well, I think that concludes our episode. We got through all the questions from the user submissions. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, this was a blast. Thank you for coming. Thanks and so much for having me. It's an honor to be on here. I saw you were doing a podcast, and I'm like, dang, like, well, maybe I can get an episode one day or something. And you text me like two hours later. I'm like, oh my god, yes. Like, yeah, I don't waste any time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, Stefan's got to get on. It'll be such a good one. Yeah, so, yeah, we covered a lot of really cool stuff. Totally. This was awesome. Thanks for coming. And there's no better way to end it than well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs>